Bizzle. We call the Jesse James. Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Yo, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah, the Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzle cast, I finally saw Avengers. I know it's insane. It's been almost a week. I've managed to avoid all spoilers, and I got Maddie G here just hours after seeing the movie with my dad. There was a ton of highs, maybe a few lows. I'm still digesting everything, but Matt, you offered to do this podcast, so I'm thrilled to have you on and really interested to hear uh, your take after getting to sit on this movie uh, for, for a couple of days. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you. This whole thing, uh, my first appearance was Avengers related. So, of course, I wanted to be part of the first Fizzlecast podcast uh, concerning Endgame. So, it was only tangentially related to the Avengers. But, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this was a movie looking forward to for a very long time, especially after the huge success of Endgame, of Infinity War, rather. And Mm -hmm. I saw it opening weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. I loved it. I had a lot of fun. We're going to talk about it. If you haven't seen it yet, don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, this is all spoilers, guys. Pure spoilers. Yeah, we are going to spoil whatever happens to come up in our conversation. Thor is fat. There's your first spoiler. Indeed. Thor is indeed quite fat. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, no, go ahead. What I'm going to say is if you have, if you like these movies, go see this movie. If you have any personal or emotional attachment to these characters, go see this movie because this is kind of it's certainly the last time we're going to see all of these characters together maybe ever again and it's a really enjoyable movie it was not my favorite mcu movie but it was probably in my top five or six it is a very very satisfying ending and as we'll get into in a little while it has in my opinion the best single hour of any of these mcu movies in the third act uh, so if you don't want to know anything, mm. stop listening now mm. and go watch it. Otherwise, yeah. stick around for the conversation. This is um, uh, this this is Avengers colon Return of the King in, in many ways. Um, yeah, long postscripts, long movie, all of which I loved. I was thrilled this movie was long. I was happy the whole time they it was long. I'm just gonna say ahead of time, it's not stopping people from seeing it. Dude, Return of the King was almost four hours in theaters. It made 1.2 billion dollars worldwide. So audiences will sit through long, awesome movies. I think is the main takeaway. B, and then I'm going to throw it to you for more specific thoughts about the movie. I will just say, if you like comic book movies, if you like great blockbuster movies, or even if you like just extremely well-made films, and you can't find, you know, two to two and a half hours of the three hours to enjoy or appreciate in this movie, then as I say with some of the Star Wars movies, why are you going to the movie theater? Even if you don't love it, this doesn't get you going. Um, but Matt, as one of the things we'll talk about is, you know, this was going to be so personal it, where all our favorite characters were going to be. We knew some were going to be in a ton and some not so much. And that's sort of how right. it was. Um, I'm just going to drop one spoiler. I said to you as, as we were getting set up here, cause guys, I had to erase my computer and get a new phone today. So I'm like thrilled that we're even on the podcast right now. We're going to get right into it. I'm going to give Matt opening thoughts, but I said this to Matt beforehand. I said, I said, look, I wanted to see Thor, Captain Marvel, and the Scarlet Witch beat the shit out of Thanos with an assist from Cap, and I got it twice and even way more glorious than I could have hoped for. So that alone was worth the price of, in the build-up build to it, obviously, worth the price of admission for me. I, do, I kept turning to my dad, um, so when uh, when when they 
reverse the snap, but then the alien invasion's mm-hmm. coming, and you're like, where's Black Panther and the Wakanda, you know, all the Avengers? I kept turning to my dad. I just kept being like, Scarlet Witch, Scarlet Witch, Scarlet Witch, Scarlet Witch. I was like, I can feel it. I know she's going to come and just wreck. Because you knew Captain Marvel was coming back, so I'm going to the end here. Okay, let's cycle back. When did you see <laughs> the movie? Um, I saw it last Saturday. Uh, last, yeah. Okay. Yes, last Saturday. It was sometime last weekend, I believe. Tell it was me last about Saturday. it. What was the What was the theater? What was the experience? Like, just tell me about it. So I saw it on Cape Cod. It was a seven. And it was like a six thirty p.m. showing because uh, sometimes I, the, I, that the theater that I go to. The 10 o'clock shows are sometimes dead crowds, even opening weekend. Um, but I wanted a decent crowd for this. The crowd was very into it. There were cheers uh, at the end, which we'll get to, I'm sure, at some point. Oh, yes. There was at least one person openly weeping, like yeah. loudly sobbing in the mm-hmm. theater. Yep. Which I cried you know, way less than I thought. And I'll, I'll get into that later. Yeah. I didn't cry, but I got really choked up at the end, like in a way that I haven't since maybe Lady Bird or Inside yeah. Out. So um, here's just a personal thing about me and movies, Matt, and you know this implicitly from over the years talking with me, but right. as hyped as I get specifically for Star Wars movies, but definitely for the best Marvel movies and, you know, even, you know, other properties, which don't normally live up to Marvel and Star Wars, unfor- you know, for various reasons, but... Um, I have an ability, like, in the day, in hours leading up to it, to just clear my mind, because... Can I just use Rogue One as the example? Right. You know how much I love Rogue One. So yes. I, I was thrilled with the idea of Rogue One, and then the whole reshoots thing happened. And I, me being an idiot, got on my podcast and said, oh, Disney's destroying the movie because I didn't know about Kathleen Kennedy and how things were working at that point, and even what was going on in the reshoots, and nobody did. And then two months before, they dropped the like what I consider the best Star Wars trailer ever, the one that made them a billion dollars when they didn't think they were going to be that successful. And I, and I had talked myself up into a frenzy leading into that movie, just like I talked myself up to a frenzy leading into Black Panther. But for some reason in like the day or two leading up i'm just able to to get it out of my brain and just like really uh, uh, absorb it and i end up Mm -hmm. liking or loving most of these movies Uh, let me give you two mcu examples and i'll throw it to you the the movie i was expecting to disappoint me was guardians of the galaxy 2 i didn't like the trailers i didn't like how it looked i felt like guardians 1 was um, you know magic in a bottle i actually think gun for many reasons can be awesome in three but the second one just i i wasn't feeling it thor reg Ragnarok, I was expecting to be maybe my favorite MCU movie. On paper, it had everything I wanted. I was very disappointed over the course of the movie, even though it set up great Hulk and Thor things that pay off in this one. And you know what, man? Even before, like even in Endgame, I remember thinking, I'm so glad I watched Guardians 2 for Gamora and um, uh, Nebula, because I didn't realize how important it was going to be. I don't think they realized how important it was going to be going forward. And man, did that relationship pay off again tonight. And so, yeah, y- you know what I'm saying. But for the this mo- was the best yeah. Nebula by far. This is the best Karen Gillan performance of any movie she's been in. So I'll, I'm going to leave it to you about what to start with. We don't need to talk about the money. You know, I I've grandiosely predicted $3 billion a long time ago. I don't know if it's going to hit $3 billion, but it's certainly making a lot of money quickly. It has a legitimate chance to be the number one movie to beat Titanic and to beat Avatar. Oh, please. Yeah, I hope so. I don't know if it's going to be able to challenge Force Awakens domestic record, which is like nine, what is it, like 980,000 yep. uh, million, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's probably unassailable. 
but that might wind up being the only record Infinity uh, mm-hmm. Endgame doesn't wind up with by the time this thing is through. And there's a little streaming service called Disney Plus coming out in a few months. They're going to make a little more money on this there as well uh, with Captain Marvel as w- also. Um, uh, and uh, but we but we don't want to talk about that right now. So when you're watching the movie, um, mm-hmm. I do want to ask you about if you saw any spoilers about predictions. Um, uh, that sort of thing, but just like the experience of watching the movie, did you feel like you were in it the whole time? Because um, I felt like I was in it right from the beginning. Again, I like to go in as clear-minded as possible. I never know if that's actually going to happen. Right. Well, you know, the first act was okay. It's interesting. This is the the very few MCU movies I feel like have as clearly defined first act, mm-hmm. second act, third act as this movie, where yep. almost Agreed. it's three little mini movies. There's yep. the the resolution of the Thanos from infinity war and how all that plays out. Then there's the time heist. Then there's the battle with 2014 Thanos. I I don't know how else to describe the three acts, but you nailed the big battle or you could call it the resolution of infinity war, the time heist and Avengers assemble. Now I'm going to end up disagreeing or taking a slightly different tact to you as glorious as the lord of the rings final act was right like the helicarrier as great as the battle of new york is the helicarrier is my favorite the middle act in avengers one and for me the time traveling to all the old avengers cap movies guardians was so absolutely brilliant that when i Mm -hmm. saw it i was like this is so clearly 11 years of back padding, but it's so creatively done. And the directors, yes. let's be honest, had mostly with the Russos, <laughs> Whedon and Gunn, as we keep, you know, as obvious, except for the Dark World, which they made fun of. Everything was like the, and yet the managed big three. to make matter. I mean, there was. And they got Natalie Portman, baby. Fuck you, put Natalie Portman haters. I was so happy that she was there. Oh, yeah. And she said nothing. Yep. Like, how much money do you think she got paid to basically just get out of bed? <laughs> Nellie Portman is like one of the most socially, politically active people. I think she would just do it. To, uh, you know, she's friends with them. I mean, they're all friends and family. And that, that has well, come across. She really didn't like uh, how uh, the filming process for uh, Dark yeah. World. She didn't so. like that Patty Jenkins was fired and they replaced her with Alan Taylor, who's like a second rate Game of Thrones director, in my opinion. Right. He did Terminator Genesis. This is his other masterwork. Which you defend, but apparently... Uh, yeah, but not because he's a great director, because I fucking love fair, Amelia Clark. Fair enough. I would also say, we've been talking about the directors who, who kind of had the biggest role in all this. I want to give a shout-out to Peyton Reed, the director of the Ant-Man movies, because as likable as Paul Rudd naturally is, if those movies sucked and that character was not mm-hmm. believable and not somebody that you found yourself invested in, mm-hmm. this movie wouldn't work because Ant-Man is kind of the audience cipher in a lot of ways. Yeah. He's the guy kind of reacting, like making funny faces and eating burritos. And yep. he's kind of the normal guy in all of this. Mm-hmm. And Peyton Reed, who inherited Ant-Man one after uh, Edgar Wright basically was fired, did a really good job to make that series into something that people would take, you know, a little seriously enough, you know, none of these movies take themselves too seriously, but he was my, he was my, um, uh, six men off the bench MVP tonight for yeah. sure. Big time. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, definitely one of the six most important characters and one of the ones who had to really carry it. I mean, the scene where he reunites with Cassie was very emotional and very powerful and very well done. And 
paid off the family stuff that people complained about in Ultron. I said, wait, people, it's going to pay off. And Renner nailed it with his family tonight. Absolutely killed it. Yes, this was the best Hawkeye ever this was the i this was the best yeah. most acting from jeremy renner who yeah. they've never let really do a lot of acting before mm-hmm. uh this was great for him i really loved him in this movie he was also probably in my top five or six favorite characters from this movie yeah. and i never thought mm-hmm. i would say that mm-hmm. um, can i can i make a, a point about the directors and build off your peyton reed thing because sure. uh, you, you know when Whedon was making a billion and a half at at a time with with the Avengers, and he was going to do all the movies before the split and everything, right. um, it seemed like everyone in Phase Two and Phase Three was going to imitate the Whedon esque style. But really, Matt, uh, the Guns' uh, vision has dominated across Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, Ragnarok. I mean, the very bright, colorful seventies, eighties retro, you know, kind of offbeat humor. Um, the way they use music is very mm-hmm. gun. And there's yep. another, you know, when Hawkman, Hawk, Hawkman, when Hawkeye's family disappears, there's a 70s song. I I can sing it, but I don't know what it's called that plays. Mm-hmm. That felt very mm-hmm. much like a moment that mm-hmm. would be shot the way James Gunn would shoot a scene in Guardians. So c- can I just uh, get the the sort of central back padding, but also admission of failure out right now, based on all the prediction podcasts I did, just to sum it up, mm-hmm. I called the entire first act almost beat for beat, uh, and so I agree right. with you that it was weak. I think most people could put it together from the trailers um, that Captain Marvel would come early and that her and Rocket would fly the ship and they would go to... Uh, I mean, I specifically said in my predictions, Matt, and by the way, I knew no spoilers and right. I was not watching other people's theories. Just watching the movies and the trailer, I said, look, it's clear the most powerful Avengers at least are going to go after Thanos early. He's going to be right. broken or confused. And I said yeah, this. I said he's going to say to them some version of quote, I can't help you, but even if I wanted to, I couldn't, unquote. And that's exactly what happened. But you know what? Because of the sort of easing in and longer character scenes that we got, I didn't care. And then the middle thing blew me away with just how well it was done. So the thing I was way wrong on was that there would be potentially a parallel or like Donnie Darko style tangential universe just during the second act. Um, to throw them off and that there would be multiples of each other, which I did end up being right about with the multiple nebulas. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, you said time travel was obvious. I don't know if you're referring to just like looking deeply at the stuff in Infinity War. You knew spoilers, but I talked to many nerd podcasters who were like, no, dude, it's the time travel. It's like I said this was Star Wars. I called it in Star Wars. It happened and people are still telling me it's not happened. I said, and they said to me, no way, dude, time travel is not going to be a big part of this movie. That's why I texted you. Right. Um, the only reason I figured time travel was going to be part of it is because a lot of the photos that were leaked from the set seemed like they were recreating scenes from previous movies. Like there were a lot of scenes that looked like they were recreating scenes from Avengers yep. from the from Avengers one. Yep. But they were shot differently yep. or they were wearing different costumes. Yep. So they were like, why would they be reshooting this scene if they weren't going to return to this battle in some way? Mm-hmm. Um you know, I those things that you predicted you well, were can right I just, about. Let me just finish the narrative. Yeah, because sure. The, the, the thing that's going to come out of me uh, half jokingly backpatting here is a praise of the movie 
my like right. it's like i always say with rogue one the fact that i knew the plot beforehand made me just be able to hone in on everything else and that was certainly the case here even though again other than glancing at one of the reddit posts a couple days ago just because it seemed like bullshit and it was total bullshit by the way i was right um uh the reddit shit uh supposed leaks or whatever so i called the time travel i specifically talked about quantum physics i said that dr right. strange and captain marvel were going to be operating on the cosmic einstein relativistic side of things and that ant-man was going to be with the quantum suits working with quantum physics side and that was going to tie the time travel together or what else uh, else was going on i predicted the amount of time captain marvel had on screen when she would appear what her role right. would be i think a lot of people were able to predict that i predicted dr strange having the plan uh as we talked about on our uh, infinity war yeah. podcast man which i got about two-thirds of the way through um you know it's fun with our podcast if you skip through our like occasional five-minute fights where we're like not even arguing the same thing it flows really <laughs> it flows really nicely <laughs> yeah we sometimes come at crossroads to a lot of these things where whatever i like we both like yeah. something but we like it for the opposite reasons so yeah mm-hmm. um no you were right about a lot of stuff um I, i'm gonna give you credit for a big one in a minute i will chide you however is saying you predicted to me that you thought every original avenger would die you were wrong about that yep, i was way wrong i thought it was a rogue two situation for sure uh and you thought captain marvel and thor would be romantic i still think or- they will be I don't think they're ever going to interact, but they clearly were not in this movie because Captain Marvel was only in this movie for about five minutes. That is the sexiest moment of the movie, though, even though it was in the trailer. It remains and that has less has more to do with the lack of sexiness, which is fine in, in, in the movie like this. Sure. Um, I personally, I mean, one thing we kind of credited Infinity War for was taking what we thought was the overpowered nature of Doctor Strange and creating a bad guy who was so powerful they needed somebody to be that strong. Whereas I think the Russo brothers didn't really know what to do with Captain Marvel's level of ability. So she shows up to save Tony Stark, fly off, mm-hmm. you know, help fight uh, Thanos who's half dead already and they probably didn't need her to beat him because he was half dead and then she shows up to blow up a ship at the end and that's it you know what though as as the next tony stark this was the perfect thing and she's so overpowered it's the professor x syndrome you know like you have to find a way to take professor x out for part or all of it it, it, with his powers of most of the x-men movies um side note uh, seeing the first Dark Phoenix trailer since Disney took over, the movie looks amazing. So, thank God they have like real people like Kevin Feige and John Favreau looking over things like trailers, which Fox is so so poor at. Like, do you remember the Jennifer Lawrence trailer where she's being strangled at uh, X Men Apocalypse? They like put on like giant billboards everywhere. <laughs> I don't remember that. Um, but, I have, uh, yeah, but anyways, um, I'm so out on that movie, and I find it really funny that you will call like Feige really terrible names, and then the second he takes over X Men and does something good, he's like he's awesome and he knows what he's doing. No, I didn't say he took over X Men. I said people like Feige and Favreau. Uh, you know, th- like that ha- that know about quality control. No, I poke right. fun at Feige because he likes to brag about eighty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which all his movies get or slightly more. Uh, he's clearly a genius. Um, I'm glad he's not running Star Wars, but I'm thrilled he's running Marvel. And dude, one of my big takeaways from this movie is by not overdoing Wakanda and Captain Marvel, which by far are the most important and commercially viable properties in Phase Four. Easily, the Black Panther family.
family and Captain Marvel. I mean, we can see it on so many levels. I think <laughs> restraining their, you know, giving the old Avengers and some of the other classic characters their due in this movie. They yeah, still this- didn't kill enough pe- people, man. I don't know why Star Wars kills good guys constantly. And, and Marvel just refuses to kill good guys. And when they do, it's almost always their female characters. But I'm going to save that for a little later. All right. First of all, I'm going to disagree because if you look at who actually stays dead at the end of Infinity War, yeah, I mean, Endgame, I keep doing that. It's two dudes and one woman. It's Black Widow is still dead. Gamora is alive. She still exists in this universe. She just isn't in love with Peter anymore. And we don't care about that because you don't like that relationship in the first place. Iron they Man is great dead. In, they played it great in this one. Yeah. Iron Man is dead and Vision is dead. So at the end of this, the casualties were two men and one woman. So I don't know if that's actually true. What I wanted to give you credit for, though, is when we did our Infinity War podcast, mm-hmm. you talked about how the time travel would be okay because they would f- center it around, around the character emotional stuff. arc. Yep. Yeah, the emotional arcs of the yep. characters instead of focusing too much on the mechanics mm-hmm. of how time travel works. Mm-hmm. And the time travel does not make a ton of sense in this movie. Oh, no, dude. They made fun of over a dozen classic movies for having bad time travel mechanics and then proceeded to do an hour and a half of horrible time travel mechanics. Exactly. But I didn't <laughs> care because... Black Widow's still travel- alive, right? I mean, if, if Zoe Saldana's alive, then why isn't Scarlett Johansson alive? Well, she's just not... Maybe she'll come back. So go back to 2013 and get her there. I don't know. Maybe they will. But... I mean, they're gonna. Yeah. They're still gonna make a movie about her at some point. But let me be clear: while I was slightly disappointed at the even more fast and loose use of time travel than I was expecting, at least right. the John Connor scenario makes you think about a specific time looper, Donnie Darko. That being said, the character stuff in action was so great. I didn't fucking care. I was thrilled to be yeah. right about quantum physics, time travel, and the characters that I cared about, and I got almost all of it. Yeah, and again, Peyton Reed. The quantum. Oh, that's realm, what I was going to say. Just, he's a weeding. He's more like a weeding sense of humor guy, and I like that. Yeah, he is. Um, I agree with that in part because I think Paul Rudd's natural, yes. like the way he acts, the way he sends, yes. the way he may actually have been in the Buffy movie. I, I maybe am making that up, but he was sort of coming on the scene around that time. So, you know, he would work in a, a Joss Whedon film better than a lot of these guys. I think. Oh would. yeah, I don't know um, if Joss knows like Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, and Paul Rudd personally, but based on his tweets and stuff that he talks about, like it, he definitely likes that sense of humor for sure. Yeah, that. I mean, yeah, uh, that's all. You know, the Judd Apatow kind of style. But what I was going to say is, yes. the time travel mechanics don't make a lot of sense. But I don't care because mm-hmm. they let. Iron Man have, you know, a moment of reconciliation with his father, which is the core of it's what psychiatrists would call his core wound is the abandonment and resentment he feels towards his dad. That's been established since the first movie, pretty much since Iron Man Mm one, it let uh, Cap come face to face and finally reckon with how much he is just Cap. He's not Steve, which he's never had a life. By the way, I also said they would find a way in the time loop as a sort of side ending thing for Cap and Peggy to end up together. I was so happy that it happened. Yeah, but you know, it's a reminder that he once was more than just the superhero and this movie mm-hmm. gave a chance to to reground himself in that. And it even gave Thor a chance to, mm-hmm. to talk to his mom about how just completely lost he has felt since mm-hmm. basically his mom died and he abdicated the throne at the end of the Dark World. So even if the mechanics don't make sense, 
the emotional core that that gimmick let them all explore was wonderful. It was heartfelt. It was yep. earned. It was satisfying. Yep. Do are there weird like alternate realities Who now? Who cares? Loki, yeah. He has a tesseract, or maybe he doesn't. Yeah. Sure. I don't fucking care. I yeah. I was no my 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 that you know yeah, sorry. Robert Downey Jr. scene with Robert uh, with uh, John. And, and you know? but also the mirrored scene of Cap and Peggy with no words spoken. I, it so okay. So the only theory I had heard at all that appealed to me as I was making my theories was a, a Cap and Peggy theory. But it was way more complicated, having to do with Bucky ending up being Captain America during World War Two, and Bucky goes in the ice, and Cap, it, it, you know. But it was very sweet, and I ended up attacking that in like the last part of my second and final prediction pod cast was like i heard this on the internet and this would be my version but it's kind of the brilliant way to end it and while the 90 minute long iron man funeral was a little excessive but they wanted to show the whole cast so that's fine i'm so happy they ended with cap and peggy even if we didn't get the flashback just old mm-hmm. capped saying sorry bucky i'm not telling you about this one or whatever oh my yeah. god and by the way the shared universe is moving to television because the hawkeye show and right. we know hawkeye you know i rave about hawkeye and scarlet witch which continues to be my main defense personally of why i love all is those two and we know scarlet witch uh um and i know you'll be dvring and watching uh binging uh um i believe they're calling it wandavision that's made yeah that's made straight for matt goisman yeah <laughs> but I you know what man you know what another vision you know what there was a bunch of moments in the movie where i was like ye- yelling and cheering shouts of joy it was maybe 40 percent full maybe 45 percent but everyone was sort of clustered in the middle it wasn't a huge theater so you know the kids were there dude scarlet witch coming out at a moment of need and just wrecking it in her face oh, yeah uh, people have- went nuts and i was like oh this wandavision thing is gonna work people are gonna watch the show they really like her I don't know if I'm going to watch WandaVision. I'm pretty sure I won't because I am not planning to sign up for Disney ah! Plus. <laughs> but I'm, I have no Sorry. intention of signing up for that ever. Yeah. Um, no, I know. I know. But when she shows up and says, you took everything from me, Thanos says, I don't even know who, who yeah. you are. And she says, you will. That was the first and maybe only time I have ever really cared about Black uh, Scarlet Witch and yeah. really been cheering for her to kick some ass. So that was a great moment for uh, Wanda Maximov or whatever the hell her last name is supposed to be. I mean, look, I saw ginormous potential in her in Ultron, and then I've seen her in two or three um, like unbelievable films. I mean, Wind River's at the top, but Ingrid goes That's west. The actress, not the character. No, I know, I know, I know. I understand, but you know, I'm an actor actress's guy. I've said, right. I, I said on her. Look, I've said on every Avengers podcast. I said. Not only do I love the first Thor movie, I think Hemsworth has been brilliant from the beginning. He, and it's like, it, Hemsworth being good, really good, or spectacular is based totally on the material. Cause you give him great material and he is so brilliant. And my, my thing earlier about him and, you know, Captain Marvel having a thing, I don't really care. I just want them to be cosmic buddies because I want, a Thor is the right. one. He's the only one. I want to hear some confirmation that they're, trying to keep him in the marvel cinematic universe because he's so young and so good looking and so funny and so versatile i mean look we just save thor for a whole section and not do it right now because sure i have so many happy things to say i want to hear you talk about it so okay um what else jumped out at you um uh early in the let's let's do the three x you want to do three x 
Yeah, let's do it. I agree with you. Okay, first act. Um, despite all my great predictions, uh, I think you also probably could have pieced together what the first act was going to be, right? Ahead of time? Well, I knew that... You know, the I didn't watch a ton of trailers. Meaning, as someone who sorry, as someone who doesn't you know podcast endlessly about right. you know stuff like this, your brain works with superhero theory stuff. Well, I didn't know that it was going to be sort of they try and they fail, but I knew that all of the images we were seeing in the trailers were only from Act One because Feige said that exact thing. So you know, when they show you that scene of the Thanos scarecrow or whatever. That, I assumed, was something at the beginning of the movie, so if it's at the beginning of the movie, then that would suggest yeah. they see him and that's and aren't able to solve the problem or, or, or whatever. Um, yep. So my, know, my prediction about Thanos, his whole, I'm not going to help you, but even if I could, I wouldn't thing, is, was mm-hmm. based on the final shots pre-ashification of infinity war which on repeat so you know the two things that stand out when you keep keep watching infinity war is one dr strange's big plan which we're going to talk about and two thanos was really fucked up more than you might notice on first watching of infinity war between Mm -hmm. thor and uh, the, the scarlet witch um and other things going on um, and using the gauntlet itself, using the gauntlet and not not sure what was going to happen to it. Um, and I will say, Matt, just to tease the third act, I I the first act happened exactly. I wanted to, exactly that. I wanted him to be broken, them to kill him, and move on to a bigger villain. But I couldn't figure who the bigger villain was, and so it's not that I was mad when it was just Thanos from the past coming into the future, but right. as I always say, man, especially in the team up superhero movies, and I consider the, you know, main star Wars movies to be essentially it's structure wise team up superhero movies with big villains, Darth Vader, Kylo Ren, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Um, right. Which is, you just want an awesome one to two dimensional bad guy to bring together the good guys and have the gloriousness of the ass kicking. And so, you know, my, my initial eye rolling, especially with the Nebula and Gamora aspect, which we will talk about those two women. I mean, Matt, you know, Karen Gillan, let's put it this way. By, by not killing Nebula in the first Guardians movie, they're at least leaving the possibility she'd come back. There's no way Kevin Feige in 2010 was like, hey, let's do Guardians of the Galaxy and have the side character Nebula, who's the sister of a main character, and go through this entire arc and be so critical in the final two Avengers movies. Like, that was one that they just ran with the baton. Um, and I don't actually agree with that, because in the Infinity Saga, that's true. Nebula that's is true. a really important character. True. Who basically does all of this stuff. I mean, she's one... She wields the gauntlet you know, scene, and tries to kill Thanos. Yeah. Yeah. In the first... In Infinity War, that scene where Thanos is torturing her and, like, magnetically yes. ripping all her body parts yes. out. That isn't what Thanos does to her in the Infinity Saga, but he does torture her. It's very Ghost so, in the Shell, the imagery. I loved what they did. I love both the movies, what they did with Nebula. Yeah, you know, so the idea that we're putting this character in Guardians and we're going to use her later, yes. I think Feige probably yeah. did have a pretty good sense can, of where this all was going. Can I can I re- can I rephrase that? Yeah, they clearly cast someone like Karen Gillan, who who has a spectacular talent 
I mean, you've seen her in Doctor Who. I've literally seen her in nothing. She's spectacular as Nebula. I mean, it's such a hard role to pull off. But even despite the actress, we'll just take the character. Yes. But you know who else? Adam Warlock was supposed to also be in the MCU at this point. And Ego was supposed to be a great character. Sorry, Kurt Russell. Not a great performance or character. Um, So they bring in the big heavy hitters. And they knew Thanos was going to be the heavy hitter. They had to after making Joss Whedon literally end every movie with Thanos. Talking for two seconds. Um, Um, But dude, by the way, Joss Whedon's like eight word tweet about the movie was just so heartwarming. He was just like, he was like, oh my God, amazing, tears, joy. It was just something like that. Like, it was just like, you could just tell he was so, so happy. Um, And I just want to personally thank Kevin Feige, yes, but especially the Russos and uh, Marcus and McFeely, the writers, um, for carrying on the Avengers legacy. We have... By any account, you know, somewhere between three and four great Avengers movies, depending on who you are and what movies you like. And we'll we'll have to do a ranking at the end of this. But, dude, I said at the end, did you hear my Captain Marvel uh, review that I did? Oh, shit. Maddie? You okay, bud? Yeah, I cut out for a second. Um, did you, did you get a chance to listen to my Captain Marvel uh, review I did or the mini one? No, I did not. So I said, essentially, I was very hard on Brie Larson because I felt like she was handed the franchise. And so I was a little skeptical because I haven't seen her anything I loved. And I said, I really didn't like Captain Marvel until the end. But Brie was much better than I expected. And I said, I said, based on the last part of Captain Marvel, but especially the teaser, the, uh, the stinger afterwards where she comes to the Avengers. And then, of course, the Thor interaction in the trailer. I was like, Captain Marvel, it's not Carol from the comics. I felt like the Russos even... I I predicted she'd have 20 minutes on screen in this film, which is basically what she had. I said, she's going to feel more like Carol Danvers in the team-ups. Everyone's better in the team-ups. Tony's better in the team-ups. Thor's, in terms of the movies themselves, Thor's Mm -hmm. better in the team-ups. The Guardians are already a team-up, but they've been spectacular now in two movies in their various roles. Um, The only one who's had solo movies uh, even close to on par with the Avengers, you can disagree with me, would be Captain America. Um... But again, only the Winter Soldier for me. I mean, okay, I'll just lay it out. My top five MCU movies are the four Avengers movies and Captain America Winter Soldier. For me, that's it's clearly those four with Guardians 1 at the top. Um, I love these team-up movies. So let me ask you to get that part going, and then we'll jump into the second act, which is so, so sure. crazy. Now, I would say that both Captain America Winter Soldier and Civil War are also team-up movies. They are both movies that have large numbers of yep. other people working with right. Cap and starring alongside it. I mean, mm-hmm. Civil War is half of an Iron Man movie. Yeah. And, you know, think about how much mm-hmm. Black Widow is in Winter Soldier. Think about how much Falcon is in Winter well, Soldier. This is where I so give you props. Are- this is where I give you props in the Infinity War podcast, which was in the Infinity War podcast, I referred to our pre and post Civil War podcast from 2016, State of the Superhero at the time, where we mm-hmm. predicted almost all this stuff. But we agreed with Civil War 
that what what made Winter Soldier great was, it, though it was epic, it was a big budget movie, it was only a handful of superheroes scrapping in a small team together, which they tried to do with Thor Ragnarok on a cosmic level. You know, I, I like that idea. The, the, mm-hmm. the Revengers. Um, sure. But, uh, but, but just really quickly, you we both agreed that the airport battle in Civil War, which neither of us like, uh, or I, I don't, I don't like. I don't speak for you. Um, but I think it's fun, but it doesn't feel like a war. It right. Feels but like a we battle. we agreed that it was a ramp up in terms of effort and trying stuff for the Russos. But you were more optimistic that it would translate to an Avengers movie. Maybe that's true. Was, now that I think about that, I, I did say that you did say that. Um, and I've now said that in three podcasts. Um, and it's important though because remember when Civil War came out. Deadpool was amazing, flipped everything on its head, and then Batman v Superman made us hate superhero movies. That's Pretty much, how, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, and then we saw more good guys punching each other, and you know, it had been less than a year since Age of Ultron, which was the first thing I covered on my podcast because I, I loved mm-hmm. it more than obviously most people, and just love Joss Whedon and all the Avengers characters and stuff. And that's when I started getting into MCU. You were into this stuff way before me. Um, the point being, I. I <laughs> I cannot believe how wrong I was to doubt even a little bit that they would take it to, you know, level 11 out of 10 in Infinity War and then level mm-hmm. like 111 out of 10 at the end of this movie. But let's save the third act. So, Matt, sure. go, I'm just, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So you wanted to know what my, my top movies are. So it's sure. uh, just to get it out of the way. Um, I, I don't know exactly what the order is, mm-hmm. but it's. Uh, the Avengers one Avengers infinity war Avengers Endgame, guardians of the galaxy, black Panther, I think probably yes, black Panther would round out my top and, seven and winter soldier somewhere in there yes. too. That's right. I think, I think this movie is probably six on that list. I liked, mm-hmm. honestly, I liked infinity war a little bit more than this, mm-hmm. but I also infinity war did not make me get nearly as emotional yep. uh as this movie did in a way that i thought was very earned you know it's mm-hmm. it's one thing when a pixar movie kind of manipulates you into feeling like mm-hmm. sad or whatever this i felt like the emotions that i was feeling were earned because these characters earned these moments you know the what iron man does at the end what cap does at the end yep. all of that yep that all felt very earned and justified and satisfying but it was self-referential in a way that was reverential towards yes. the characters because Agreed. man if they didn't heap praise upon all the great directors and all the writers and the actors that led up to this point and my dude i am telling you when the scarlet witch going nutso leading to the female avengers charge mm-hmm. i got out of my seat and just started hooting and hollering i knew you'd like that scene. and my I, dad I, knows my obsession with female badasses i've been beating the drum for the female dude watching tessa thompson in white with a white sword and a white pegasus i just want to curl up in a ball and cry tears of happiness that i'm seeing this on mm-hmm. on screen and if, if if i had any complaints about the movie it's they should have cut the first part uh, act a little bit and extended the final battle i know that's like a guilty pleasure nerd thing but it was almost too quick to see more than the cap fight with the hammer but that was really the main show okay i'm getting ahead of myself again sorry go keep going no i actually agree with you the first act was my least favorite the second act worked as sort of its own little internal thing mm-hmm. uh but the third act was just 
I thought, Unbelievable. I thought Brie Larson was extremely charming in the first act. And my complaint actually, dude, was I predicted that she'd come early and be like the new hope, right? For this bunch of ragtag, you know, bitter right. old Avengers. And they even say it. They're like, hey, new girl with all the enthusiasm. I was like, right. no, play that up. Have her on screen five more minutes and have like her overly optimistic. And again, Brie Larson can play it on her face. And I'm giving her tons of credit. Um, and, and I think the the biggest hope for me about phase four, man, just to tease it, is that the three properties I'm most interested in for the second movie, Doctor Strange 2, Black Panther 2, and Captain Marvel 2, I think all three of those will far exceed the first one. Obviously, Black Panther is a classic, and that will be hard, too. But now that they know how much all the characters are loved and, and they're established and they can be more experimental with it, um, I, I, I again, I just want to stress... I was ready to see this movie two or three times and be like, I'm ready to take a break from comic movies for a couple of years, focus on Star Wars, Dune, and like other stuff going on. But I, there, I think there's great hope after this movie. And, and again, one who praise the restraints. But dude, they had to focus on the main characters. And here's where the time travel thing with the character uh, synergy comes in, right? Which was, mm-hmm. we went to all our old favorite movies. And even yeah. the movies we didn't love, like The Dark World, there's great stuff. You see Loki... With, dude... When the camera pans and Loki's lying there and it's a straight shot from the dark world, everyone, I mean, like all the old moms in the place were like cheering. Like, everyone loves Hillston, <laughs> you know? Uh, that's why they're giving him a series too, by the way. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, well, I just think, it's, I I think it's interesting the- that, you know, Loki, Hawkeye, and the Scarlet Witch, all, all are, oh, I guess Loki everyone knows is popular. Um, but, you know, fans all have their favorite. Spider-Man got huge cheers, obviously. Yep. God, he's so charming as Peter Parker. And that hug was wonderful. I mean, that was really powerful, um, especially because the the Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good moment in Infinity War is maybe the toughest, like most like heartbreaking moment in that whole mm-hmm. final movie. So can I just give you my only major complaint, which is the death of, of Black Widow in yeah. this movie? Um, and, and again, hot take. You know I love Scarlett Johansson. I, I can't believe... Like, I'm not the guy to be like, oh, she's been mistreated because maybe she hasn't wanted to do a Black Widow movie. Like, Scarlett Johansson normally gets what she wants. Um, yeah. And so, you know, maybe she's the one that hasn't wanted to do it or hasn't found the right director or heard that Natalie Portman's experience with Patty Jenkins being fired or whatever, you know. Dude, let's or be Isaac honest, man. Re- like we like Kevin loud. Feige. We like Stan Link. God rest his soul. But there continue to be problems on television and especially in the Marvel comics with minorities and women. It, it's not even a question. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean... That's a problem beyond comics, though. That's a problem with general sci-fi representation. I mean, but that's why Feige distances himself. I think that's why Ages of Shield is, is worthless, and the Netflix series is connected. Feige doesn't want to be, and this is me crediting him. He doesn't want to be connected to the controversies that are going on, especially in the comic world, but also in the TV world to a certain degree. I know you've talked about Ike. What the fuck's his name before? Isaac Perlmutter. Yeah. Yeah, who not really involved with Marvel TV anymore. Now I think it's Jeff Loeb who pretty much runs the whole thing. But no, Feige has never wanted to be part of the TV stuff in anything other than name. I don't know if that's political reasons or, or he just feels like, you know, the movies are kind of engrossing. I don't think I can do TV too. Um, certainly Jeff Johns over at DC has tried to do both and it hasn't really worked, although maybe DC is figuring its shit out finally because mm-hmm. um, – 
Okay. Shazam was wonderful. So, um, but let's let's talk about our favorite um, time travel moments from the okay. se- second act. Obviously, New York, I think, was clearly the best. I mean, because Avengers is the best. And there were so many, you know, Hulk trying to act like a smart Hulk, trying to act angry after seeing angry Hulk. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- dude, Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, after getting written kind of broadly post Whedon, you know, I don't love the, the Bruce Banner writing post Joss Whedon. They nailed at, and like an insane level with the special effects in this movie. What were your thoughts uh, on Hulk uh, uh, before I talk more about New York? So smart hulk i actually didn't love and i it's a comics like there are arcs in the comics where where that happens where he basically becomes hulk body but banner's mind i get all that my thing is at the end of infinity war it's really unresolved what the hulk's problem was why he wouldn't come out you know we gave our get it up it's performance issues, you know, two, one out of five, not uncommon or whatever we have. We gave a number of interpretations on that, mm-hmm. but they just sort of skip ever resolving that by just having him having made peace with it and just become smart Hulk. And this movie, that was a little bit disappointing. I kind of wanted a little bit more resolution with that. Uh, but the arc of the guy who the first time we meet him is very ashamed of being the Hulk reaching a state of pure synergy with him. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad ending for that character either. You know, he was so the, Zen. I loved how Zen he was after all the torment and everything. Self-hatred, yeah. you know, and again, it's earned. It, it yeah. makes sense for that character. Even if mm-hmm. it wasn't my like ideal ending, right? You know, the, in a lot of ways, I feel like infinity war was about a lot of the phase two and phase three characters. Yeah. Spider-Man is really important in that yeah. movie. Dr. Strange, yeah. the guardians who are phase two characters are mm-hmm. really important in that movie. This one uh, to the point that, you know, uh, Scarlet I mean, black widow has like two lines in that movie. Captain America doesn't really have much of an arc at all. You know, Tony what, Stark gets, I, I'm sorry. And repeat watchings whenever they go to cap team cap and team Wakanda, it's so thrilling, and, and sure, but Team yeah. Wakanda, Black Panther—that's a Phase Three character. Mm, so that's this true. movie was much more about giving the Phase One characters mm. their chance to all wrap up their stories as we look towards the next one, and that's yeah. what I really loved about this movie so much was uh-huh. that it finished Phase One. It finished what it, it started, so to speak. All, yeah, it let all those characters kind of. Can I ask you a question about that? A follow-up question. Sure. Um. So obviously. This is the final movie. It's the big final one. It's got the big battle, all the characters, but focus on the originals. I'm not going to ask you to do this from like a money standpoint, but the widespread appeal of the final movie, how much would you give towards the fact that it's just the final movie with all the characters and the biggest budget and the biggest battles versus the fact that people do love not just the original six, but you know, Scarlet Witch and some of the sort of characters that were introduced late phase one, early phase two, Ant-Man, I would consider right. even in that category. Um, I don't Power know that was I so can... great. Oh God. He was so good tonight. He I was, was so proud really, of him. Really, really good. He, you could tell um, he was like emotionally invested, which he's not like Paul Rudd can be funny without being emotionally invested. He was really emo and all the jokes about Captain America calling him Captain America. It just never stops being funny. America's ass. That was, I love that. <laughs> when Steve Rogers looked at his own ass for 10 seconds, it says that is definitely America's ass. The entire theater got on their feet and started cheering. I'm not lying. People were so. <laughs> <pumped>. <laughs> 
because it's a funny line. It's a moment we don't usually see from that character of a bit of, you know, a little bit of vanity, a little bit of narcissism. Yep. Um, you know, the self-referential humor with that character is there's plenty of self-referential oh, humor the, in the MCU, but the alternate when, universe version of the non-Winter Soldier elevator fight, Hell Hydra. I was like, this is amazing because I, I, you know, I know Winter Soldier by heart, even more than the Avengers movies. I've seen that right. movie a bazillion times. I was like, are they get, is he going to fight Rumlow? He even says, "Sorry, Cap." Like, it's, it's, you know, uh, fucking uh, what's his name is there with the glasses? Oh my god, Sitwell, Sitwell, yeah, Jasper no. Sitwell. <laughs> and they get out of the scene by calling back to. I don't know if you knew about this about. Pretty recently, like maybe two years ago, mm-hmm. there was a, an, a, an arc in the comics where Captain America is revealed to be a Hydra sleeper yep. agent. Yep. That I, was, don't know I told how you it, my dad and I said exactly that. I was like, this is not to the recent comics, dad. Yeah, I don't know how that, that resolved because I don't read Marvel comics and now I don't read any comics, but that was a huge deal when it came out. Smart so, nerds say that it was just a great undercover story that, that idiot haters took too far as usual is what I heard. Sure. Yep. Sure. Sounds. I mean, it's comics. Comics are always kind of ludicrous and you can get out of a problem. Oh, that was what I was going to say. Ways. Was Cap did give his big Cap speech midway as he always does and then Rocket made a joke about it being a good speech. I would have had Captain Marvel because the beginning of the movie after the, I mean, dude, okay. When it opened with Hawkeye and the family, I I had my head buried in my hands already. And my dad's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, dad, you're not going to like where this is going. This is not. And we predicted this. We said that. We said it. We said what gets Hawkeye back in the fight is that summer. All of his family dies. Yep. And then he can get him back. I mean, I almost wish there had been time for multiple scenes of Natasha trying to get him back. Maybe that would just be an episode of Arrow then. I don't know. Um, I wish this movie hadn't been rated PG-13 because when he kills those Japanese gangsters, no blood, it it was... It didn't feel <laughs> as violent as it was supposed to be. We've, wow, we're, we're like noticing almost the same things in this film, Matt. This is a little uncomfortable uh, how much <laughs> on the same wavelength we are. Um, but, uh, I can say something nasty about Star Wars uh, if you yeah, want yeah, to no, inject some conflict stop, into this. Stop, stop. I, I know you're excited about Rise of Skywalker. You don't have to say anything. Um, so, by the way, I did a Raylo podcast. Just culturally, you might be interested in that. Um, and as far as I know, there haven't been like an established male and female podcaster have a full length uh, Raylo discussion online because it's usually just men being like, he killed Han Solo, he's irredeemable, he must die, and women being like, but he's so sweet and he's on. We want to bring him back to the good side, and they've got you know like that whole thing. Right. It's so I'm like in the middle. I'm the I'm the gray Jedi on this, and so I was trying to you know balance all of it. Um, but uh, but uh, so no, my question was going to be. <laughs> Uh, with Scarlet right. uh, and uh, Renner, is it possible that that, that the the fact that they made it known that this was going to be focusing on the original Avengers and some of the sort of early Phase Two characters very clearly in the trailers and promotional? I mean, look, look, it was the original six: Paul right. Rudd and Brie Larson and a couple others who were on the main press tour. It, you know. It's not right. a coincidence. It's like, you know, the well, they couldn't really put yeah. uh, Bradley Cooper on the yeah. tour because he's yeah. just voicing a raccoon. Well, Even though right. Rocket has way more right. to do in this movie yeah. than 
Captain Marvel. No, but I'm just saying there's there's optics involved in these decisions. And right. you know, at, at Star Wars Celebration, which by the way, dude, it was amazing. I'd love to talk to you about it. I don't know if I could ever go to a regular Comic Con. It was great to be at a thing where everyone there loved the same thing. Um, uh, it was very positive. Um, but I will say, you know, they're bringing back the Clone Wars for for a final season. But like, right. the main panel was Dave Filoni, who's the showrunner, and George Lucas heir apparent, and he's also co-executive producing the Mandalorian with John Favreau because I love John Favreau as a director man and he's a brilliant hilarious guy but like he almost got in some serious trouble at, at celebration because he was like dissing the prequels and stuff so Filoni had to like walk him off the edge a little bit be like dude this is Star Wars celebration like if you don't like the prequels like keep it to yourself um, and uh, you know he's an old school Star Wars guy which is exactly why they're giving him the launch title for the Disney Plus service of the Mandalorian right. anyways the, they eventually brought on all the Clone Wars voice actors, including like people like Matt Lanter, who are like famous TV and film stars, who is Anakin Skywalker. But the main panel was Dave Filoni, Ashley Eckstein, who does Ahsoka, Dee Bradley right. Baker, who does all the clone voices, and Sam Witwer, who does Darth Maul. And like, yep. the, you know, like they're, they're clearly te- telegraphing, like, yeah, guys, it's mostly going to be the Siege of Mandalore of Ahsoka and the clones against Maul and the, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so when you have the original six plus Brie Larson, let's be honest, who's the Arab parent um and uh uh who did i say mm. else was on the was on the tour um well, i don't think she is the heir apparent what, unless what they solo, do a much better what job solo with their phase three character made more money than captain marvel answer yeah, I, nobody nobody but that wasn't because that movie was good or even because we that character was that interesting yeah that was good that happened because people decided that they were going to get mad about it. And then other people decided they were going to get mad about the people getting mad at it. And so a movie that barely needed to exist suddenly became a massive success. I mean, that whole controversy. Yeah. Yeah. Disney owes those trolls a drink because they did more to boost that box oh, yeah. office than the movie ever could have. Because well, Rotten Tomato had to change their entire website and business model. And then it became right. a story Which, that that was happening. Exactly. You know, but dude, but then, you know, like if we're going to call that a woke movie, then we also have to call Black Panther and Get Out woke movies. So, you know, they are woke movies. I don't think Captain Marvel is or if it is, it doesn't do it very well. I do you know what Captain Black- Marvel does. And here's why Captain Marvel did well. It did great with the Star Wars women because Captain Marvel okay. was completely unsexualized. Like the fact yes. that she was a woman is clear. And she's very right. pr- beautiful, but she's more like Rey and Jen and Princess Leia than she is like Black Widow or even Zoe Saldana. I'm just saying how That's, she, how she I, was portrayed. And you know, let's be I honest, her Wonder Woman sexual character. Yeah. I don't know about Star Wars female fans. Have, well, I don't want Zoe to be a sexualized character, but they keep being like, "Oh, she's going to be with Quill." It's not my decision. Right. Yeah. But the point being, but like I would say a horror in Star Trek reboot, even though there is an open chemistry with Spock, is a very non over she's not an over sexualized character. She's a fully oh, realized character completely. who happens to have okay. Well, I mean, you know I- There's a line in the first one of those movies where she says, Did I not on several occasions demonstrate and I quote an an able oh, that's tom- so funny. like there's so many blowjob jokes with her character in that first movie she says she she's orally talented sexual. which is a tr- double or triple entendre which is funny yes. and sexy yeah I don't know. exactly so she's clearly a sexualized character well except that spock is the softy in the relationship and she ends up being the strong one like almost across the board as both a character that doesn't mean she's not a sexualized character i mean whatever 
Okay. So talk to me about the females in the MCU through three phases. Tell, tell me what you think, because honestly, they played on people's emotions in killing Black Widow. It was not yes. one of the best written scenes. It was totally what was good about that was sold through performance with Renner and, uh, and Johansson, who have spectacular chemistry and have since the beginning, and they made the Budapest comment, blah, 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 blah. There was not nearly enough... Renner and Johansson for me for a movie like this and I think that was a wasted opportunity she dies nobody up until the end when Banner mentions it briefly and then Renner and Elizabeth Olsen talk about it you know and that that almost made up for it because she lost vision and he lost you know Nat right and they love but he has a father-daughter thing I mean that's the thing man is they (laughs) they can get these complex relationships where you've got Hawkeye who is it's straight friend platonic with natasha even though they've got you know chemistry that could have gone somewhere else but he's devoted to his family and then he can have this complicated sort of father daughter older brother younger sister thing with i'm gonna say their names because they did it in wind river too as well elizabeth olsen with jeremy renner i mean i i love that they can get these complicated relationships and i guess matt you know when i'm getting off my hot take here a little bit if i think about it Nat dying a somewhat anonymous death is sad and tragic, but actually kind of fits with her character. Well, that's a thing. So as opposed to the worship of Tony Stark, it was like they were burying, you know, Jesus at the end. Well, they were burying the person without whom this whole thing never happens. Like, Scarlett Johansson did a fine job with a character, but the idea that Black Widow was anywhere near as important to the like the base architecture of the MCU as Iron Man yeah. is just patently a false. I statement. fundamentally I mean, disagree with that. Scar- for, I'm just personally. Oh, what are you? Well, dude, hey, look, we made it almost an hour without argument. We have to have okay, an, we have to point. have a debate. Let's go for it. Right. Um, so my point is, for me, um, let's put it this way. Black Widow was never a character, even after the Avengers, I thought I would fall in love with until the Winter Soldier. And I right. fell in love with Chris Evans as Captain America. I was already in love with Scarlett Johansson as an actress, but Black Widow I fell in love with as I fell in love with Captain America in the Winter Soldier. For me, the relationship between Steve and Natasha in the Winter Soldier and whenever they revisit it is my favorite one-on-one relationship in the entire MCU. I get Tony Stark's hilarious and he acted his ass. I mean, he played like seven versions of Stark. He's almost like Gollum in this movie. A lot of the characters were Gollum-y. Thor was all over the place. Like, mm-hmm. that's why I love that Hulk was so centered because, you know, Cap centered just because he can't help himself. But, he, you know, he was still admitted that he was lost. I love that Thor and Iron Man were so gone. And, and, and Hulk was, and dude, I'll give it to Taika Waititi, man. What worked great in Ragnarok was uh, Thor and, and Hulk and, and just, the fact that Taika pulled off Hulk in full Hulk form for so much of that film, I I thought was so impressive, but this was so weird because it's clearly CGI, but it looks so much like large green Ruffalo. It was kind of freaky. I'm not going to lie. Right. I I, I want to continue with this uh, Scarlet uh, Black Widow uh, conversation. So this entire franchise, the entire MCU is essentially about a series of decisions that Iron Man makes and I that to deal with his own emotions. I mean, how the plot of. Avengers mm-hmm. is mostly some about a choice Iron Man makes. The plot of Ultron is entirely about a, a choice Iron Man and makes. And Banner. And Banner, the science bros. And Banner to a lesser extent, but it's not the same. Like the moral like soul searching 
Banner never goes through that in that movie, and to the sa- and if he does, it's not to the same extent that Iron Man does, because Iron Man clearly Ooh. is still thinking about Ultron five years later because he references it in this movie. But Civil War is also about a choice Iron Man makes. I, Iron Man is the heart of the whole MCU, and you can love Black Widow, you can love Scarlett Johansson, you can have the her dynamics be your favorite in the whole movie, but. She is not on a 22 movie no, arc the way it. Iron Man is. I get it. I'm just talking about feels. I'm talking about feels. Robert Downey That's Jr. Fine. is one of my favorite actors, period, on the planet. And he made Civil War work with his great performance, even though he was being a whiny bitch again after Ultron. It was all his fault. But dude, I, I just fundamentally disagree with you about the, the fallout of Ultron. The reason Hulk leaves at the end of Ultron is not because he hulked out in Johannesburg. It's because he created the murder bots and the combination of that and hulking out, he can't take anymore. He has just have to leave the planet. I think he's very traumatized by that actually. But you know, again, it's, it's, it's hard with the many directors and writers over the movies. And you know, I mean, let's be honest. Banner's writing has changed a lot from Avengers one and it was just nice to see him kind of zen after I put a bullet in my mouth and I spit it out, you know, right. like... Uh, uh, yeah, it's nice to see him find peace. I agree. Yeah. This was... Maybe this was just a shortcoming of Ragnarok, but I didn't think Ragnarok, that banner had any particular lines in which he acknowledged that he was still even thinking about the events of Ultron, whereas clearly Tony Stark has always thought about those events. I think um, they both have self-hatred going back before all these events, which Tony talks about openly with his dad in this movie in 1970. Let's get back to that, the time travel. Mm -hmm. The fact that he has a conversation about dad about money can't buy you a second and, you know, and they're admitting their egotism to one another in such an honest way that you'd normally, you know, like, you know, Tony Stark was a very, I mean, he's drinking whiskey in Afghanistan with no security at the beginning of Iron Man. He barely survives. He should be dead with the terrorists. You know, somehow the Chitari traumatized him, but being in a terrorist cave for six months and tortured didn't traumatize him. You know, I mean, they, they asked Tony Stark to do the impossible, but I, I would, I, I, I don't think it's fair to give him more than 50% if you're divvying up between him and Captain America. I think if you asked Americans across the board, they would say the Captain America is their favorite, even more than Spider-Man, definitely more than Iron Man. I know his movies make a lot, and he always has to be the lead, but in this one in particular, it almost was too much, and it it made me appreciate his death less, whereas doing not enough for Scarlett Johansson made me feel it more. I'm always about doing you know too little than too much, I, I just thought it was a little too much framing the whole thing for Tony Stark, but I get it. It's John Favreau who's running Disney, you know, essentially with a bunch of other people and, and, and Robert Downey Jr. And they're both great. So I, it- it's also that I, Captain America, I agree with you that Captain America, he, his arc is the second driving force of the MCU, but I think it doesn't work as well. If you don't have Iron Man's first, that if this franchise had been built with Captain America first and Iron Man second, people wouldn't have latched onto it as well. That that's mm-hmm. straightforward, straight ahead, mm-hmm. but like roiling emotionally yep. underneath mm-hmm. like way that Chris Evans plays his character. Sure. You need to yeah. have cap. You need to have Iron Man first. And then that works yeah. as a contrast. I, 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 again, I know Iron Man three made um, 1.2 billion, but it came immediately after the Avengers. Um, right. 
once he says call a cap at the end of the Avengers, and we got the circle, baby, we got the original circle, and then more scenes from the, I mean, that's what was so brilliant, was not even just the synergy and the character building, but we got to see new scenes, but framed differently because of the time travel stuff, which makes no sense, but who cares, right? From those, like, those right. classic New York scenes. When he says call a cap, and, and dude, I, I mean, it wasn't just Ultron references, it was the way that they re- reframed them and specific things I said, like I wanted Tony to talk about his vision about the end of the universe that he has with the Scarlet Witch at the beginning of Ultron. He talks about that and he talks about how he wanted to put an iron suit around the world and he says, if we don't, we're going to lose and Cap says, well, then we're going to lose together and and, you know, he goes off at Cap at the beginning but as usual, Cap's right and as usual, Tony comes to Cap um, if we're being right about it, you know, um, that it's, it's not how, it's not what you fight it's also how you fight right it's not just Mm -hmm. what you love it's how you love a thing um uh, and so their relationship is the cornerstone and and if there's any major gaping flaw other than maybe losing thor who everybody loves no matter what he does regarding regardless the quality of the individual movies everyone always loves hemsworth and thor um but I don't know how you replace the uh, the frenemy bromance that has never been done better than Iron Man and Captain America. So on that, I agree with you. Yeah, I don't know that either. I mean, I, I Kevin Feige has said this is the last Avengers movie, that whatever these movies are moving forward, they're going to be called something else. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe they even they kind of recognize that without Cap and without Iron Man – you don't really have an Avengers anymore. You might have other groups. You Mm -hmm. might have the lady Avengers or whatever you want to call that. The all female one that clearly that shot of them in the third act (sighs) is supposed to be a poster for you maybe have the secret Avengers, which is, you know, Shang, she is a member of that. And some of these new guys, maybe there's that, but you don't have the true Avengers, the MCU Avengers, without those two characters. Well, maybe we get the Revengers <laughs> with Thor and <laughs> Valkyrie and and uh, and Taika Waititi's uh, alien character and so forth. I'm hoping we get Thor in Guardians Three because clearly That's what my they're dad said. My up. dad said that right after the movie. Yeah, because I want to see Sean uh, James Gunn and Sean Gunn uh, work with Chris Hemsworth, uh, and maybe they led him and Taika Waititi tag team the movie i have to say they let that bit between him and chris pratt get so weird and go so long at the end i I know i definitely think they're teasing it the way they made sure to stress the scarlet witch hawkeye relationship they stressed the sam uh bucky relationship because we're getting that series with sam as captain america hopefully i think right like in the comics. I mean, God, those three are so beautiful. That's the thing, man, is like all the individual relationships are so great. By the way, did you notice a little bit of flirtation going on? Maybe you didn't. I only noticed because the comics between uh, um, Rhodey and, uh, and, uh, and Carol. Uh, They're together no, in, really. in the, Cell- the Kelly Sue DeConnick 2012 reboot of Captain Marvel, which is what, you know, the higher, faster, further, right. whatever character is based on. Uh, they're right. together, um, both mm. being from a, you know Air Force background and whatever. Sure, blah, blah, blah. that makes sense. Um, and so, you know, that would be cool. Don Cheadle and Brie Larson being a couple in the movies. Like, sure, give that to me. Why not? Um, I mean, like, they, they, they have the talent going forward. Um, but I don't want to get to the third act yet because that's when I'm going to bring in all the other Avengers. So what were some of your other favorite moments of the various time travels, but also ones that you thought maybe didn't ring true or, or whatever? Um, the stuff on – all right. I like the thing on Vormir only because I thought it was 
so well shot that I didn't know who I thought was going to win it. Like, I really did not know if I did. Uh, Hawkeye or Scarlet, uh, why do I keep doing that? Or Black Widow, they both have colors in their name. That's why I'm getting confused. And her name is Scarlet, which doesn't yes. help it. Either. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is why I keep having these stupid Freudians. Well, that's episodes. part of why I call I, Elizabeth Olsen Elizabeth Olsen is just to keep out this all straight. This is not, this is actually a decent strategy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I really didn't know in that fight who I thought was going to win it or not. I thought at first it really seemed like mm. Black Widow was going to be the one throwing herself off the cliff, but then she always wins. Uh, Hawkeye wins. like blows her up and mm-hmm. I, and he jumps off the cliff and I'm like, well, how the hell can she save him now? Mm-hmm. And then when she saves him, it's pretty obvious she's the one who's going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a good three minutes of that fight, I was totally unsure which i liked yeah. a lot because a lot just, of this stuff yeah. is telegraphed i like that i'm glad it played that way and i hope to play to both and for my brain being obsessed with those characters and loving ultron i knew scarlet was gonna was gonna quote unquote win because she's the better fighter and she's got less to live for as soon as that glint comes back in renner's eye that he could save his family and everybody Right. She has less to live for. She said, I didn't even know my dad's name till two minutes ago. Like, how heartbreaking is that? That's the thing, man. I think the Russo's actually nailed the tragedy of it. It's just so much of the movie jumps in a Whedon-esque way, as we've talked about, between serious stuff and jokiness. And they they nail it almost all the time, and I think that was just so arresting. And I was like, "Oh no, one of these two is gonna have to kill kill each other." And my dad turned to me and he was like, "Do you know where this is going?" I was like, "Yeah, Dad, but I don't I don't want to say anything." But, right. What's interesting is so um, we talked a lot during the movies. Clearly, me and Papa Bizzle. <laughs> totally. Like so, I when this movie when we were talking about who we thought was gonna die, uh, whenever we did our last podcast, I was pretty sure. Iron Man and Cap were done. Either they were going to die or they were going to retire. And then I thought if they needed to kill somebody else, Hawkeye would make the most sense because he seemed like the most disposable character. But he's also the family guy. Yeah, because they reestablished that his family, you know, existed and that they matter to him. Suddenly he did have something to live for. And then all of a sudden black widow is the most disposable character. And I know you don't like game of Thrones very much, but in one weekend we had infinity war and I'm sure you at least heard about it. Oh yeah. I know all about it. Yep. A pretty consequential episode of game of Thrones. Yes. And I'm not going to spoil that, but there is a character that dies in that who there's some important ones who die too. Mm -hmm. There's one guy who dies who has a name that people will know, but is really not an important character and has Mm -hmm. nothing really to live for and no reason why they need to survive. Mm -hmm. So killing them makes sense because they got to kill some people and this is one they can get away with. A couple of quick Game of Thrones non-spoiler comments. Um, yeah. Star Wars continues to poach. Uh, we've got Amelia. We've got Gwendolyn. We've got the double Ds. Kit Harrington has been begging openly to be in Star Wars for years. So I'm sure Jon Snow will end up there. Um, and, uh, you know, Alina I, I, Heedy, I would love to see. We've had Peter Dinklage in Marvel and X-Men. So, we, sure, we'll put Peter Dinklage in. I mean, he would work great in Star Wars. I mean, you know, um, um, uh, and so forth. So I love, I, look, I love the actors of game of thrones and i love high fantasy i just don't love game of thrones i i can't i can't put my finger on it i, I turned it on for two seconds with lena heady talking to her young lover or whatever i was like these lines are so corny but i i don't watch a lot of dramatized television as right. you know so i'm not the guy so, to talk about this. so that lover is a guy named euron Greyjoy. there oh, was a podcast Greyjoy. yeah there was a podcaster who made the joke 
he, he likes that that actor plays his character with the reckless abandon of someone who knows mm-hmm. literally nobody cares what happens to him. Yeah, but but I think, you know, I, I'd like to think it's one of my better po- qualities as a Hollywood podcaster that I can appreciate something like the cast and the writers and the directors on like Game of Thrones. It's just not for everybody, you know? Sure. Um, but it's funny, man. I had people have very different reactions to it. I had people, it just depends on the personality, who are like, this is the best, like, three days ever. But I also had some friends who were like, this is overload, and my brain is kind of hurting right now. (laughs) It's too much, especially my Star Wars friends who are coming from Celebration, which was way cooler than anyone expected, um, and going right into Game of Thrones, couple, you know, the last couple episodes, and then multiple Avengers watchings, um, whatever. Um, But I do want to stress really quickly that... among the younger female Star Wars podcasters, they love Captain Marvel because, again, I think she's being framed more like a Ray type superhero. Um, and I did think, I want to stress, I did think Brie did well in the short time she had in the movie. And I would have given her a pump up speech in the beginning. That was what I was trying to get to earlier with the Cap thing. They should have given Captain Marvel a little bit of pump up. She was a little cold to them. Um, but I guess she yeah, had a I lot on her that. mind saving thousands of, of galaxies. So. I know it just it was very weird for that character, you know, in the same way that Black Panther is only in Infinity War for about like 10 minutes. And it's clear they didn't exactly know what the plot of that movie was going to be when they made, you know, when they did the previs effects for his appearance in Infinity War. So, Mm. look, I'm still waiting for somebody to actually like know what to do with that character. I don't think. The actor, the script writers, or mm-hmm. the director who made Captain Marvel sure. 1 are going to be back for the su- sequel. So <laughs> I think that character and that actor have a lot of promise. Yeah. I don't think either of her appearances so far have been very good. I will just say, the, one of the writers on Captain Marvel also wrote for the terrible Tomb Raider movie and is writing for the Birds of Prey movie, which I'm already hearing is not going to be good. So I'm just, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, I will say... The, the, the reason I think I'm praising Brie and her short performance here is because I do enjoy some of the Kelly Sue DeConnick Captain Marvel stuff because it's like reading really good uh, teen fiction kind of, you know, right. it's like Ready Player One or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's very entertaining and Carol's really funny and endearing in the comics and... Mm-hmm. I just had a feeling like the Russos channeling the Russos and Whedon and Gunn and everyone else was even in a short time going to be able to write for her better as Carol Danvers that I know. I mean, dude, my dream casting of Carol Danvers in terms of matching personalities is Katie Sackhoff. I mean, Captain Marvel is basically the less off the chains, less disturbed Starbuck, but Mm -hmm. she's very much a hotshot maverick. Sure. Who's way overpowered and doesn't know what to do with how good she is and could be very cocky, but also very sweet and caring about other people. Uh, I, um, I understand why they cast Brie Larson over Katie Sackhoff, but just personality wise, if guys, if you haven't read the comics, but you seem to hell star know who Katie Sackhoff is. It's very Starbucks kind of character. Um, and I think what they need to do with her second movie is just let the reins off and not be super cosmic like guardians too, but like her character get to do, get to do more stuff. But dude, I will say, man, my final comment, on Scarlett Johansson. She is a consummate actress ever since I saw her in Lost in Translation. I've not sure. seen a bad... Even in uh, so-so movies like Lucy or movies that a lot of people don't like, like Ghost in the Shell or like some you know medieval English shit, you know, Shakespeare right. shit, whatever. She always puts in fantastic stuff. And the stuff she did on her face with her emotions is what, again, 
I mean, I think the Russos would be the first one to tell you that like they were scared shitless of doing the Hawkeye Natasha scene, and they were just mm-hmm. going to let the actors nail it, and and they did. And so again, I can't be that angry because I love those actors, and they threw themselves into it, and they clearly have great chemistry. And so rest in peace. But I, I'm still hoping we get a prequel with her. But maybe not. Maybe Scarlet just moves on to other projects. Like you know, God bless her. Do what you want. I. So I have this feeling that the ideal moment for them to make the uh, the Black Widow movie, and they just miss their shot and Post don't Winter know Soldier. kind of how. Yes, yeah. Because when Winter Soldier ends, yep. she has a line where she says something to the effect of "I've burned up all of my identities. I'm gonna start I have a to new go one. make a new one, yep. or something like that." Yep. And so that would have been a perfect movie where. It's set after Winter Soldier, but it flashes back a lot to her training in the Black Widow program in Russia and all and, of that. Yep. And here's the and problem, just, Matt. I'm sorry. I have to. I, this I'm going to pull Bizzle right here. I, I understand your principled stand against Disney Plus. The problem is a lot of the good MCU and even like this more like stuff you might want to watch with Star Wars and related properties is going to be on Disney Plus either immediately or, I mean, they're, you know. They're spending a lot of money investing a lot in the shows and you love watching superheroes on TV. And so if you love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, I know that Loki, Vision and Wanda and Bucky and Sam aren't enough to get you stoked at this point. But at some point, like a lot of the stuff is, I mean, Star Wars is already not doing a movie for two or three years investing heavily in TV. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, and I'll leave that just a dangling question, man. You don't have to answer now at some point. I'm interested, you know, your view of, of where it goes now with these giant, huge movies. You can make three billion on an Avengers movie, but you can't do it every year. It's not sustainable ball um sure so but you um, also don't necessarily have to make your movies cost as much as this movie truth. costs and so you know you don't need it to make that much so okay so we had new york uh we had a bunch of scenes in new york 2012 and then we had yep. dark world 2013 mm-hmm. um and <laughs> yeah me and my dad were taking bets on whether that was actually a natalie portman pr- appearance or just like a, a uh, unused b-roll unused b-roll but then she was in the credits at the end I was like, yeah whatever i love her <laughs> in the first door she's so adorable um sure. her and hemsworth um and by the way by the way i'm just gonna say it thor's mom yeah what's Renee what? russo she's like the hottest 63 year old on in the planet I mean, she looks so good oh my god i mean because that movie was six years ago and she was old, I'm gonna old up then. Also for Renee, uh, for uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, yeah, where being trapped in the quantum realm for fifty years or whatever didn't seem to affect her hairstyle or makeup. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and uh, uh, but uh, I, God, I, I, this is the thing. I mean, arguably, the Dark World scenes of this movie were better than ninety five percent of the Dark World. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Because it felt like there was an actual like emotion in there, you know. Again, mm-hmm. as I said, the Dark World was silly, but returning to it gave us a chance for Thor to kind of mm-hmm. acknowledge how utterly lost he has felt mm-hmm. since the Dark World ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as his life has been increasingly been defined by death, as he abdicated a throne of a people who were then decimated and no. then decimated again. You mm-hmm. know, he's for somebody who sort of is very boastful at the start of his arc. Mm -hmm. He starts to acknowledge, you know, that things have gone to shit in Mm -hmm. infinity war, but this is really the one where he kind of has his rock bottom where he melts down and realizes just how utterly 
unsure of everything he is anymore and how yeah. he has no idea what he's doing. And so, yeah, yeah he's got to talk to his mom to get a pick me up, yep. which is and, like very sweet and humanizing because yeah. most of us would probably go to our mom if yeah. we felt that way. So, you know what I'm saying when I talk about broad writing for a character, right? And, you know, one of the criticisms with, about Ruffalo is that if you don't write Ruffalo subtle, he can go a little over the top with, with broad writing. And that's why I liked Whedon writing him subtle. You know, some people didn't love him in spotlight right. for similar reasons and other movies, so, but then they make movies built around him being manic, like, um, uh, infinitely polar bear and stuff like that. Um, but I prefer you subtle. Yeah. Understated Bruce Banner slash Ruffalo, but Thor was written so broadly and yet it still came off as like understated and funny in a very clever way because of the subtle way he delivered it. I mean, he's an absolutely brilliant actor. As a side note, man, him and Tessa Thompson in the Men in Black reboot should be a home run on so many levels, but I'm hearing that they're already hedging their bets on that movie, but I don't know these rebooted properties anymore, what anyone cares about. I mean, Jurassic Park makes a billion and a half, you know, and then the second movie made what less than half of that or something so i don't know i i mean the the hellboy reboot was pretty much dead on arrival so yeah because didn't have guillermo del toro or ron perlman so why do yeah it? pretty much uh, <laughs> i that was the biggest head scratcher ever i was like you can replace captain america but not ron perlman with guillermo del toro's hellboy uh i don't think so um those movies made very little money by the way the hellboy one yeah, too yeah um his movies never do um so we had the thor the scene so did okay oh dude let's let's now let's do it let's talk about fat thor did you okay. know about fat thor i did not no, no clue I, I, I just just talk about it. i don't even know what to say i loved it so much everything in the in his introduction <laughs> is gold where korg and meek who we never saw their bo- their dead bodies, so everyone was wondering, are they going to show up in this movie? And they're playing Fortnite and drinking beer and, and just, Thor, he called me a dickhead again. And yeah. just everything about that. You know, you like the first Thor movie a lot more than I did, but I think one of the like later... the Earth part in the middle of the first... Again, the middle yeah. act, yeah. But I think one of the later revelations people had about Hemsworth, even after the first Avengers movie is that he's really, really funny. He's a really good comic actor. And that in the first bunch of appearances with him, they maybe weren't taking good enough advantage of that. And the last few have all been about really playing up how really fucking funny he can be. So again, keep in mind, Matt, keep in mind that until I saw Captain America winter soldier in 2014, I had only seen Iron Man one, and Avengers. That's that's all I had. I hadn't seen Cap one, hadn't seen Thor one, uh, you know. And then I loved Avengers. And I love Cap Winter Soldier. I love Guardians, and I loved Ultron. So I was like all in on the whole thing. And so I was already bought in on Hemsworth, and then went back and watched Thor one. And the bottom line is, there's a lot of over the top Shakespearean stuff, Kenneth Branagh style, at the beginning and the end that doesn't look that good, but is still well acted in Asgard. But the middle part with Kat Dennings and Stellan Skarsgård and Natalie Portman just makes me laugh in a very Whedon esque way. I, I I I finally released that comment. I usually, if I don't release a commentary for a while, I'll either redo it or just never release it. But I did find my Thor commentary that I did after Ultron in like mid 2015. I just released it like. Six 
six months ago or something. And I was, I just was so, I was laughing so hard during the middle part of that movie. And I always say, like, when you've got nothing else, like, make the movie funny and endearing. And it totally did that for me. Um, and I loved Loki. And, you know, the scene, the scene where, where Thor's cast out and then the scene with Loki giving his father, like, a near fatal heart attack are, like, two amazing dramatic scenes. So for me, Thor 1 has enough good stuff. Dark World is unwatchable, which is unbelievable. Even if you take out the bad Natalie Portman writing, just you would think the back and forth between Loki and Thor, but it wasn't even well written. And that was ultimately the big disappointment of Ragnarok was that of the three or four Taika Waititi movies I've seen, Ragnarok was the least well-written just in general, I thought. Um, and, and didn't, you know, I always say Thor's better than his movies, but he's been killing it in every Avengers movie. We, we both commented on, we picked like two or three standouts from Infinity War. I can't remember who, who all of yours were, but we both had Thor at the top of our list from Infinity War and he was amazing again. I, I don't remember what my choices were. I would probably say iron man i really like dr strange in that movie i really yep. liked spider-man yep. in that movie yep 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 um you know i i think and again i again as i said i think iron man is kind of the the core character of this whole thing but thor is probably third you mm-hmm. know and considering there's like a hundred characters right. that's pretty good company to be in is it's like you know phase one and two are kind of a lot about cap and iron man and then phase three has been a little bit more spatial so it's a little bit more yep. uh thor based uh and thor it's interesting is the one who survives all of this mm-hmm. that we will see more thor i think in some form i don't know exactly what form i don't know if they we'll would get- be so stupid to not keep hemsworth they can afford yeah. him. he loves it he, they love him it would be so st- d- dumb yeah. Yeah. And they need somebody who can yeah. keep older fans who probably are going to lose a little bit of interest because, you know, if you started watching these movies with Iron Man, you maybe aren't as quite as attached to Doctor Strange or this Spider-Man or Black Panther or Captain Marvel. I guess I, mean, I, d- I don't really like I don't love any of the Iron Man movies and I love Tony Stark and Iron Man in the movies in general. I just prefer him in the Avengers movies and Captain America Civil War over his own movies. I guess what I'm saying, man, is these these actors are best. They're defined by, but they're also their best with the relationships. And look, Captain America is never alone in his solo movies. And, you know, I I think Marvel fans across the board would agree if there is one character that was introduced early on that they keep trying to work in in different time periods, but maybe they didn't use enough is Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, who's like an an unbelievable star in theater and does like occasional film projects. She's so stunning. She's arguably the strongest female co-protagonist in any Marvel movie that we've gotten in most complicated. And it was in the original cat movie. And if you watch that movie, it's not about Bucky and cap. It's completely about Peggy and cap and a little bit of actually Howard Stark. And that's why it was so fitting. Let's just jump to it, man. 1970. I mean, yeah, that was, and that is my favorite part of the time travel act. The part two, whatever you wanted, the time heist, whatever, the stuff in 1970, that was yeah. easily my favorite so, part. any doubts that I had that they weren't going to do my whole thing about Cap and Peggy getting together was dispelled 
by him creeping in her office, seeing the big picture and look, just staring at her. And you just could see, I mean, Chris Evans, I know he's not Academy Award actor, but you just can see stuff like that on his face. You can see him thinking about it and it's informing him for the rest of the movie. And so I was so mm-hmm. glad they gave it to us at the end. I'm not saying I was certain at that point, but I was starting to get more, especially with this sort of complicated, um, because, uh, you know, Banner keeps talking about the whole, you know, uh, Heisenberg uncertainty principle thing and multiple branching universes, which I talked about in my podcast, right. specifically this. And, um, you know, I didn't love that Hulk had to give Tilda Swinton a lesson on time travel. I thought that was a little ill-informed, but, you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, but, but there were major character reverberations. I mean, let's put it this way. The John Connor uh, time loop in Terminator is interesting because of the relationships between John and Sarah Connor and uh, I'm sorry, uh, Kyle Reese, Sarah Connor and John Connor. Right. Right. And and this was specifically interesting because he was teaching his dad how to be a better dad before he was a dad because he's a dad in the future who's older and more mature with a young daughter or whatever. I mean, giving him advice like that's the that's how you do time travel in something like this. You make it character based and they absolutely nailed it. Go ahead about the 1970s stuff. I loved every second of it. Yeah. You know, the to have him get to resolve his feelings of abandonment and resentment towards his own father that was incredibly validating that was incredibly earned and it felt very satisfying to let him have that moment and it was maybe also a clue that he was on his way out because that's a good point that's a really you know, good point <laughs> because that was the thing he needed to resolve is he needed to work something out with his own father to get some sense of closure on his own life. He was super Zen after that. Now that I think about it. Yeah. 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 You know, and he was willing to say, sacrifice himself to save, you know, as I said, the most fitting end for him would be to give his life to save his surrogate son in Peter Parker. Now, I didn't know he was going to have an actual daughter in this movie, right. but this, but you know, it's the same mo- emotion of mm-hmm. I give my life so my child can live, mm-hmm. which is the perfect ending to a guy who starts out as the ultimate narcissist, self, mm-hmm. in, you know, admitted narcissist. He calls himself that in uh, Iron Man two who doesn't care about anybody but himself and this mm-hmm. who, you know, hates his own parents on some level and is ashamed of it. Now he is a parent and yep. he'll give up everything to save them. That's, that's a perfect, mm-hmm. that's a good story writing arc for a character that mm-hmm. doesn't matter if that's a superhero right. or just a, a drama. That's a good arc. That's good mm-hmm. drama for a character in writing. I will say, if you, as you were saying earlier, say Tony Stark in this universe is the ultimate superhero, right? So call him the one, like in a binary system. And Thanos is the ultimate supervillain, right? So he's the zero, right. the one and the zero. And what did Thanos kept saying? I'm inevitable. This is inevitable. I, right. I, and it's so funny because they had not, um, they had uh, not um, Hugo Weaving doing Hugo Weaving and the right. whole time. Going, it's inevitable, Mr. Anderson. And, and, <laughs> and in the end, 
The only interesting part of the Matrix Revolutions is the very end where Neo goes, you're right, it is inevitable. I've been fighting it the whole time, but you're right. You've been right the whole time, Smith. And they cancel each other out and everything goes back to normal the way the ashification goes the other way. It was very reminiscent of the end of Matrix Revolutions. I wasn't a fan. Of, I'll just say my really only complaint. I wasn't a fan of the ashification end of Infinity War and I was less a fan of it being mirrored again in this movie. But if you put it to me about how I would have done it i'm not sure so you know that that's a that's that's a tough job but as you said yeah it, that was the turning i didn't really thought of that man but that right that was the i'm i don't want to leave my wife and child and all my friends behind but i've resolved like one big thing um yeah existentially right in his life even right. the beginning of civil war when he does the you know the vr recreation right because yeah. he's so clearly trying to work out shit about his parents, and now he gets to work it out. Um, to your point about ashing uh, all of Thanos' minions, all of the Avengers movies always take a sort of suddenly everything is solved approach. I mean, they blow up one ship and all of the Chitari are suddenly dead. They blow up one robot and all of the Ultron robots are dead. Joss Whedon even admitted with... Uh, the end of Avengers that if they didn't do something like that, they would have had to show eight hours of cleanup duty of them hunting down the straight. Yeah, but they did it on Ultron. They did it on Ultron and they made it interesting because of the last minute fury and fucking um, war machine and all them came at the end to make sure the robots weren't escaping. Cause at that point the vision had cut Ultron off from the internet. And so the robots were individually self-aware and they couldn't let one get off the Island, which is why the actual fight, I'm sorry to say on the flying city of Sokovia in terms of like killing bad guys is, is way more interesting than any of these other Avengers fights. Again, faceless aliens. Do we even get one clear shot? of what these three, uh, four, six-legged aliens look like. I mean, they're even more stuck than the Chitauri. I'm sorry. I'm not letting Marvel get away with this. Nobody dies, as you point out. Even when Hawkeye is supposed to be murdering people, it's completely unconvincing. I mean, Arrow season one is more brutal than what Hawkeye was doing. I mean... I'm done giving Marvel a pass on this. There's no consequence to violence. In Star Wars, people die. Good guys and bad guys. They get beheaded. They get murdered. It's brutal. Other series does it too. Marvel, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for DC, obviously. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. I think there is a fair amount of consequence-free violence in Star Wars too. I think some of this is the limits of PG-13 movie making. Yeah. I mean, Rogue One, they murdered three planets worth of good guys and bad guys openly throughout the movie, including all of our favorite lead characters. Marvel's never done anything like that. True. And they kill their one lead character, and then there's like a 90-minute... I mean, talk about like the the hobbits hugging on the bed. This was like the hobbits jumping on the bed together at the end of Return. Yeah, it was a goodbye to Robert Downey Jr., who created the mcu and is the reason we still are getting these movies sure. i thought it was earned i thought the cheeseburgers line like oh, that was when crying I, favreau was great he was so great you know that that was tough oh. that was brutal and really well done and really emotional and i loved it that was um, the actual only moment of the movie there's a lot of moments where i was sad I thought I would cry. That actually made me get choked up. I like grabbed my dad during that. I was like, Oh my God, this is so sad. Yeah. Um, it's funny. One thing that this movie, I I wound up thinking a lot about winter soldier during this Mm -hmm. uh, movie because in that scene in winter soldier, where he goes to visit old Peggy, 
he, she talks about how she got married, but she never shows a picture of who her husband was. And then it, right before she, she doesn't die, but she loses lucidity, he's I from, guess. He's from the thousand people that Captain America freed when he goes rogue with Bucky and the Howling Commandos. They free like a couple thousand American soldiers. She marries an American, yeah. Except she says right when, before she go, zonks out again, Cap or Steve, you came back. I wonder if the Russos, even back then, didn't know what the end was going to be for Steve Rogers. I just know that I ran my theory by uh, major Steve uh, Peggy shippers like Brittany, and they were like, fuck you for even saying that and getting my hopes up. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And I, with my computer, I can't even sign into Facebook. Facebook is so horrible. You can't even sign into your own account on a new computer with Facebook. And you know what? Fuck you, Mark Zuckerberg. So, but I, people, this was like um, of nothing. <laughs> well, this was like it, it, you know when you watch the Star Wars animated series, they keep like almost killing Ahsoka, and then the fans go crazy that they kill Ahsoka. Right. If you watch it closely, it's obvious she's like Gandalf; she lives forever. She's never going to die. But the fans, you know, they can't dare to hope. I've been predicting Ahsoka in Episode Nine forever, and I think the, the reveal of Palpatine in Episode Nine is revealing that there are even bigger surprise things that are going to happen. There's no bigger surprise thing that would ignite the fan base other than Ahsoka and. and episode nine uh but they don't even dare to entertain the idea because they're so attached to it which is great i love it and dude i have to say matt um again we got to talk about the third act but just you know uh, to head to the, th- the th- third act in general i i i never foresaw these uh, characters becoming so beloved and we might not love captain marvel the movie or the character but a lot of people love her and absolutely but you and i love black panther even though we can critique it but we love sherry yes. and we love t'challa and you know like baku. baku and you know and like and I, killmonger yeah absolutely i, I mean love dude, to hate him but great bad guy. i'm not saying that Mbaku and t'challa will ever be like tony stark and cap but i could foresee them having a great sort of you know back and forth kind of thing um you know as well and sherry you know people ask me because i know a couple people who mm, whatever i don't want to give away my sources but anyway the point being people ask me like why isn't there a shuri series and i said what i've heard is that they're not sure whether to do a shuri movie or a series that's how popular she is and that's why they haven't announced anything she's like everyone's favorite character um but do you know what i mean that people would fall in love with these characters even hawkeye or black widow so much um I, I did not see coming even again me coming late in sort of 2013 2014 to, to this did you no i mean and that's what i was talking about earlier if you started with iron man you know if you're a little bit older you may have a harder time latching onto some of these new characters but if you're a teenager now or time. you're a kid now you might be are going to latch on more to i mean or i mean if you're a woman or a person of color there's a good chance you're going to latch the most onto these newer characters mm-hmm. onto Tom Holland, Spider-Man or Captain Marvel or Black Panther or yep. any of these ones. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, if people are really excited for more of that and that's, what's going to make them go see these movies. Great. Cool. I, I want to, I'll no, see no, every no. Captain Marvel movie that yeah. comes out. I just want a yeah, better sure. written and directed Captain Marvel. movie. But just the fact that the Budapest line 
from 2012 Avengers carried over all the way to 2019 and people wanted to see that relationship based just on a couple quick exchanges between yeah. Black Widow and Hawkeye because they're the humans. Honestly, dude, I thought the reason Black Widow and Hawkeye would die and maybe Steve was because they're the human ones. Um, and, and Tony. And also, you know, in the trailer, the four who say whatever it takes are the four humans, not Thor or Hulk. So I thought sure. maybe, you know, that, that, that it, it would be fitting that the humans would die. And let's be honest, the two that died were human, you know? I mean, yeah. Tony's got a super suit and Black Widow's the best hand to hand fighter in the galaxy, but other than Gamora, but. <coughs> What did you think? Oh, can we talk about let's, let's, let's Guardians? Can we talk Guardians? Sure. Okay. So, did you also like me? I'm going to get into the movie. Did you also like me, though, really what like... Have, what have we been doing for two no, hours? No, I know. I'm, I'm leading with Guardians, too, though, here with, the, with this question, which is, did, did you also enjoy the Gamora Nebula stuff in Guardians 2? Uh, or in it Guardians didn't, it didn't stand out to you as much? You know, the second Guardians movie, the theme of family was almost beat you over the head, obvious that that was what it was all about. It was about Peter's finding his father and his biological family versus the family he sort of built with these people with, you know, it's his father versus his surrogate father in, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in Yondu and all that stuff. And Yondu's own loss of his family because the Ravagers won't talk to him because he sold children to slaves or whatever. So... The family theme was very, very prevalent throughout that whole movie, and the family thing for Gamora was resolving her stuff with Nebula. Mm-hmm. And I didn't love it, but I thought really? it was okay. well done, and it certainly set mm-hmm. up this stuff really, really mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. because what convinces 2014 Nebula to switch sides is when she says, uh, "What I mean, 2014 Gamora to switch sides is she says, in the future, what happens to us? And Nebula says, we fight, I try to kill you, but in the end, we become friends and sisters, and that's what does it. No, that- no, she's already, in the very beginning of Guardians 1, man, she's already portraying Ronan and her father, so, I mean, she was already headed that way. This is true. That's certainly I mean, she true. specifically says, I'm betraying him early on, you know, one of the early bad lines in Guardians that gets much better as it goes along. James Gunn is just very inconsistent. I mean, I just, you know, if he can pull a weed in three acts, great from getting in or Russo's beginning to end three acts, you know, like JJ Abrams best stuff. Like I, I, I think guardians three could be that, but uh, so let me give a caveat and then admission. The reason I love Gamora and Nebula had way more to do with family and the actresses, not them being badass female characters. I, I did not go into guardians to being like, Oh, I can't wait for the Nebula Gamora stuff. Um, but no, I also I, I admit, didn't either, but I liked it. Right. And it I paid also, off in this movie. Yes. But, but I also will admit that the just goofiness of, uh, of Drax, everyone had drowned Drax, mixed with the whiny. I mean, Peter Quill was like Anakin Skywalker in Guardians 2. It was so painful. He was so whiny and annoying, but it paid off in Gar- in Infinity War, dude. And I still have a lot of friends, man, who like hold Chris Pratt personally responsible for Star Lord's actions and Infinity right. War. And I'm like, guys, it's like people who hate Kylo yeah, Ren. About this already, but well, yeah, right. No, no, I know. In our previous one, yeah. but I'm saying, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but I just want to bring it up again because mm-hmm. you know it's going to be important that he matures going forward. But it's because of a great performance. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think I worry with the lack of movie experience and people just watch, you know, TV shows, don't go to movies um, or whatever. Used to seeing things sort of serialized, over dramatic, you know, whatever you got to do for the weekly TV show and not um, be able to separate between a bad performance and a dislikable but brilliant character performance. Um, now, with Adam Driver, you know, being nominated for stuff, people, you know, even people like Simi, who absolutely hate him because he's a Han Solo guy, admits how great of an actor he is. Um, but but um, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, whatever. Quill's not the point here. The point is, if you followed that storyline in Guardians 2, and you followed what went on with the two of them in fucking infinity war this was the perfect ending i mean it, that was one of the most satisfying relationships over phase two and phase three for me I, maybe i'm crazy which which relationship was the most satisfying just, just the the, uh, the the emphasis on and constant evolution of gamora and nebula and thanos and everything around i mean for me thanos okay here's the thing Still makes no sense. So first he wants to kill 50% of the universe, and then he comes back in time and says, I was wrong. I want to kill 100% of the universe. I mean, it's, his motives make zero sense. He just comes up with the random numbers of people he wants to kill. He's a genocidal maniac, and he smiles when he knows he's about to die, because he knows he's a psychotic killer. This is my Kylo Ren prediction, man. Kylo's going to beg Ray to kill him. Ray's not going to want to kill Kylo. He's going to be like, I hate myself. I Just kill me, please. Because um, he's so tormented. I love the smile on Thanos' face before he died i you know these people know at some deep level how horrible they must know how horrible they are or, or they're not believable characters but it without nebula and and gamora in orbit of him as his legacy or whatever as we see how tony stark who was such an asshole is so sweet with his daughter i mean you know like that's a, that's a that's a specific mirror they're trying to set up again tony stark the ultimate superhero who has lots of flaws but now he's with gwyneth and he's got an adorable daughter and you got, you know, fucking Thanos with his two daughters being completely psychotic and, and horrible. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, sorry, I got lost a little bit in all of that. Um, I'm a little passionate on the subject. Right. Well, one thing that I found interesting is, so this movie, you know, Thanos in Infinity War talks about how, you know, Gamora's planet a generation after he slaughtered half the population yes. as a paradise and whatever. Yes. This movie goes out of its way to point out how stupid an idea that is because what is Earth with 50% of its life destroyed? It's a, yeah. it's a post-apocalyptic like zombie set. Well, that's, but that's my problem, Matt. Everywhere. Thanos was better in Infinity War, but, but his motives and justifications were better in this movie. I mean, killing the universe and starting from scratch makes total sense to me. Killing 50% of individual planets makes zero sense. Especially because, and somebody pointed this out, it's all life, not just humans or intelligent yeah, that was humanoids. Rough. So yep. if you wipe out half the animals, which a lot of, you know, which is a food source for a lot of, although they know, said the oceans creatures, were clean and there were, there were whales in the New York uh, Bay. <laughs> right. But you know, you're also removing 50% of the plant life that yep. keep the air fresh. Good, so healthy bacteria. Yep. Insects yeah, that so, kill other insects. Yep. So this wouldn't actually work. Uh, no, <laughs> his motivations, whatever you yourself said, you sometimes just want a good two, one or two dimensional bad guy that gets everybody else to band Which together. Which is why and fight. I'm shocked. Infinity War did so well, Matt. I, I like it could have easily gotten the Last Jedi reception. 
where it was like this completely transparent, powerful bad guy is just causing all the heroes to go at each other's throat for obvious reasons, you know, which is exactly what the last Jedi was. Infinity War was definitely better than the last Jedi. But the point being, it was like the Empire Strikes Back of the four Ave- uh, Avengers movies and, and the, sure. the reception of it. And again, Black Panther did beat it domestically. Uh, you know, Black Panther uh, performs more like a Star Wars movie and doing so well here. Um, Avengers, you know, makes insane overseas. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but I think it's fair to say that, by the way, uh, you gave uh, Avengers Infinity War nine and a half out of ten. At the time, I said eight and a half. I have now, I've since officially a few months ago, uh, I bumped up to at least nine. Okay. Yeah, just I, I I, I've actually enough. grown even warmer on that movie over time. Yeah, I rewatched it about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I was surprised. Oh, and how much I still liked it. That's what I'll, I I keep not I keep forgetting the main points I'm trying to make till like 20 minutes later. Um, what ultimately bothered me about the death of Black Widow was it was a less affecting version of the death of Gamora one movie ago. Yes, and. and- it, that was way sadder. Thanos, as horrible as he is, th- sadly throwing his daughter over the side was so affecting. But I guess, again, with the different relationship of Hawkeye and Natasha, I mean, how did they even end up flying a spaceship across the galaxy, those two? It, it doesn't even make sense. Well, they barely did. I mean, they yeah. clearly were just able to get, you know, two days worth of charge out of the battery and they were all about to suffocate and die. You so. know, there was sort of a road trip feel to the whole middle of the movie with the music in it and the traveling. Yes. That's what I thought Thor Ragnarok after Hunt for Wilder People and other Tycho movies. I thought Thor Ragnarok was going to be more that kind of vibe of like really dark and then funny and then like 70s music with travel, you know, sequences and stuff like that. It was a little like that. Um but there points. wasn't enough of it. Yeah. It, it, it felt like sort of. I want to give him another shot. I would give him another shot. Yeah. I, I g- certainly think he, I. I know you don't agree. I still think that's better than any of the other Thor movies. So no. unless they can find somebody they think is a better like fit for that particular yeah. weird franchise, he's your best bet. Um, yeah. I mean, look. <laughs> Anyone who likes Thor movies, they either like Thor 1 or Thor 3. No one's talking about the Dark World, so, you know. fuck no. (laughs) Right, exactly. But, like, Iron Man, for me, I prefer Thor in the team context. And even... I like that even Thor made a joke about the Dark World where he's describing the ether. He's like, they were captured by Dark Elves. Woo, scary. By the way, I kept, like, five seconds before it happened, I was like, Daddy's the dude, he's the dude, he's the dude, and then uh, then he calls him Lebowski. Jeff Bridges wishes. Yeah. Oh my God. So, okay. I got to ask you that. I teased it off, Mike. How much fat suit? How much did he actually beef up for this role? It's just total speculation. Um, to paraphrase Pat Rothfuss on the Eldritch Horror episode of Tabletop, if I looked like that, you would have to pay me to wear a fat suit quite a bit of money. <laughs> <laughs> He's fearless. He's totally fearless. And his accents are perfect. He can nail the American accent, nails the English accent. He's absolutely brilliant. In some ways, Tessa Thompson is a comparable actress, you know, which is why yeah. I wish they were doing a Men in Black type movie that was not Men in Black. Um, yes. I and These reboot things always make me super nervous because it's very, very easy to half-ass them, mm-hmm. which is maybe what one of the things people said about the new Hellboy movie was, is the whole thing felt confused and half-assed mm-hmm. and 
you know, you can make a play for people purely based on nostalgia and not make it good, which I don't know if you watched the trailer for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. No, but that is a movie no, that is clear. Th- that's horror. I haven't watched that tr- shit. It's unbelievable how bad the character yeah. design and the yeah. sense of humor is. It looks so I mean, hacky and stupid. Know. And it's so obvious the people who are making this movie are just hoping people will see this because they liked Sonic the video game. But the problem is, I know for sure from Dodger and some other people like Dodger who get access to such things, that the Pokemon movie is hysterical. So I, f- full disclosure... I still play Pokemon Go pretty aggressively, and I, for a really long time, I had no intention of seeing Detective Pikachu. That's I like it saying dumb. I see a therapist occasionally. Everyone plays Pokemon Go, dude. I mean, oh. come on. You're in good company. <laughs> fuck if I know. I mean, clearly a lot of people still play, but yes. I didn't know if yes. you do. I know you're awkward. I don't. No, I don't, but I play plenty of video said games. said he played it for a week and then said he quit because it was kind of simplistic, which it kind of is. Anyway... Yeah, I but he's like the 19-year-old hipster, but who likes the 90, uh, early 90s Pokemon games kind of thing, yeah. Right, anyway, to finish my story... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was, for a while, resisting seeing that because it looked stupid, and then I saw a trailer, and I saw all these Pokemon, like, animated, and I'm like, I may have to actually see this. I'm starting to get excited. Uh, that Charizard looks cool. That I mean, Mewtwo. full disclosure, <laughs> I have the same taste as Dodger. She likes things like the Warcraft movie and the Matrix Reloaded. So, it, you know, she's a positive person. But I've heard it from more than just her. People like Jason Schreier, like video game reporters, they're showing it too, which is a sign of great confidence. Sonic is the opposite, dude. I've read the whole history of Sega, man. It's so sad. I mean... Yeah. Sega was successful in the early 90s because they hired the they stole the present of Mattel away from the toy company Mattel. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, Tom Kalinske, who was just a great like a Jobs-esque salesman but acted like a good guy too, like a great, you know, like Captain America kind of guy. The Japanese hired him and he made Sega 60% of the market in this country crushed Nintendo for like 3-4 years. Mm-hmm. But the people in Japan who worked for Sega didn't care one bit. They were getting crushed in Japan by Nintendo, and they didn't like being upstaged by this smart American, um, and uh, they eventually just cannibalized themselves to absolute mm-hmm. nothingness. And the thing is, Nintendo has these debates as well, but Nintendo also has these you know, brilliant programmers like Miyamoto, you know, who, sure. who can communicate between cultures, you know, even with the language barrier. I mean, in the 80s, they were faxing stuff and flying over, you know, every Every weekend and stuff like that you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but sonic is is horrifying and if you saw the original sonic designs it looks like a bad anime porn character um <laughs> with giant boobed anime girls in tow the whole thing um yeah i, I mean everything about the character design for this movie looks weird he's got like sprinter's legs like weirdly human looking feet his hands aren't wearing gloves they just have white fur you have but it's not even that stuff that bothers me it's how stupid and unoriginal the sense of humor to it is yeah that is clearly a movie that is not trying at all for anything other than to play on people's uh nostalgia 
All right, buddy. Let's get down to it. The stuff I really <laughs> want to talk about is the nerdy shit from from the final act. Uh, Hell all yeah. the superpowers, all the fights, the Lord of the Rings, but with superpowers, people flying, people doing all sorts of shit. I'm not going to lie, man. I'm not going to lie. Of all the Ashified people, the one I wanted to see the most in this movie come back and be super powerful was the Scarlet Witch. No question. For so many reasons. And dude, actually, the reason I, I brought up X-Men earlier was not to be like, I think X-Men is going to be great. I don't think it's going to be great. It's never as good as it should be. But what they do in such a short time with the Scarlet Witch compared to what they're trying to do with Jean Grey with the Phoenix over and over again, and they keep failing, even Mm -hmm. though it's such a classic story. But you know what? What you know in the comics in the last thirty years, the Scarlet Witch is much more important than Jean Grey, and uh, you know her powers are ridiculous. And again, dude, I'm going to keep harping on it. The actual words she spoke to Thanos and her approach of attacking him it was very similar to when she went off on Ultron about her brother. Um, and I just like seeing they're building these characters. I, I mm-hmm. don't know uh, nearly as much about how Marvel Inner Circle works as, as Star Wars. Star Wars story group is very public who they are and what they think and their political views and so forth. Marvel, I'm not sure, but I have to think there is a story group involving all the directors we've named and a lot of the writers, even if it's not full time, who are guiding these things, you know? I mean, the fact that The Scarlet Witch is a viable show that people cheer for her, I never saw, even in Ultron, though I loved her four years ago, how Marvel can build these characters, these franchises is is super impressive. I just wanted to see her kick ass. I knew Captain Marvel was going to kick ass. That was, you know, and I knew Thor was somehow, but... Well, I'll save it for you about Cap. Go ahead. Talk to me about the third act. Okay. So one thing I've sort of realized about myself is that how well I think a movie lands its final scenes tends to go a long way towards how much I like it or don't like it. Mm. Um, you know, I, you and I have vastly different opinions about the Wonder Woman movie. For me, a lot of my problems with it come yes. from the last just yep. 20 minutes or so that yes. – both don't look particularly good yes. and thematically undo a lot of what the movie sure. had established before then. Sure. I do want to point Black out really Pan- quickly, though, Matt, just really quick to listeners who might be newer and haven't heard our discussions before. You and I also have vastly different approaches and philosophies about movies in general. How many times we right. see them, how much we care about plot and spoilers, how much, you know. Um, uh, right. you tend not to see movies a lot, but you also tend to watch way more, you know, highbrow television than I do. So it's just uh, one and of those things. And a lot things. of lowbrow television. I, I, I fully admit that. Well, I just ignore uh, that and focus on the highbrow stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, like Game of Thrones, which is super classy, not... <laughs> Game of Thrones is sort of that weird combination of highbrow and tits and dragons. To quote there's, some, there's some there's some there's some anger at Trump subtext to the Game of Thrones culture because everyone I follow who's smart, educated, and liberal, but whether they're working in video games or sports journalism or teaching or public speaking, they all love Game of Thrones. But they're all really smart and they're all very progressive. So there's something in there, Matt, for another podcast. I don't know what it is. Because all everyone likes it. I'm the only one. I just don't even talk about. It. I brought it up once on Twitter, and people roasted right. me. I was like, oh, okay, fuck this. Yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones predates Trump by a while, so I I don't know if that whole. I don't want to talk about Game of Thrones. No, sorry. Anyway, sorry. the third act, it's Matt, you know, and especially the last just minutes of the movie yes. matter a lot to me. Even yes. Black Panther. The stuff after the fight with Killmonger is over is all great with them. You know, bury me at sea with my ancestors, all that stuff. 
all great, but the fight between Killmonger and Black Panther doesn't look all that good, and it, it does undo a little bit of the uh, the good vibes. It doesn't reason- look good as they're falling down the shaft, and it's clearly CGI, but once the masks are off and they're really scrapping, and then they're having the emotional moment, it, it ends that up That all works, over. but the stuff on the train where it's just two CGI yeah. cats punching each other... I mean, other, have you watched the Avengers recently with the Chitari? The Chitari? I, they I don't-, don't think that stuff looks that good anymore. I don't, it looks I, horrible. It's, that's why that movie... I still, it's one of the best movie going experiences I've had in a long time, but I don't think it's my favorite anymore because it doesn't look as good as it did at the time, which is just inevitable that Mm -hmm. CGI heavy movies will not age very well. We might be saying that about these movies in 10 years, Um, but you know, one of the reasons I don't, you know, I didn't love Rogue One, but Rogue One ends really well. Like Uh I loved the last (laughs) 30 45 minutes right, of it right um, the difference just even- really quickly max we never talk about this the difference between someone who really just likes rogue one and me is that i actually even without the giant space battle and the vader ending would have still loved the movie and you add sure. the giant space battle the ground battle the cassian Jin k2 stuff and everything and and the vader finale is just you know as kevin smith says i tell my mom into slavery to see that scene one more time um yeah. uh but uh but yeah that's a very that's a very specific thing it's a very specific thing man i mean have any of the avengers hit you um any of them uh including the first to this day where you put it it's like uh just like a top movie in general what do you mean a top movie like well, like, I have the Avengers movies at the top of my superhero movies and, like, in my top, you know, 20 to 40 films of all time. Yeah, they're probably... I mean, I've never made a list that th- that's yeah. that deep, but right. in terms of my personal favorite movies, yeah, a lot of these superhero movies are probably going to be in there. There's um, not one shot in Infinity War, in my opinion, there's not one shot in Infinity War or um, this movie that I would dis- disagree with. Some of the writing, very occasionally, maybe. Um, I still have to sit- see it again and-, and think on it. But in terms of the shooting, Civil War even had, you know, with the airport battle. I- I- which, right. But I will say, dude, the first half of Civil War, where Black Panther, Bucky, Cap, and everyone are just chasing each other on the highway and just shaky cam and, and hand-to-hand fighting is fantastic. Right. Um, yeah. And, and and again, it was such a giant. It was it was the orcs against all the men of the West, you know, battle at mm. the end, and it was great. But you know, we joked about you know, I love the female badasses, and so the female Avengers team up, you know, that they did so organically, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, just how it all flowed into itself. But yeah, the, to the finish, pro- yeah. The problem was at that point, I had already seen the Scarlet Witch be better ass than the Dark Phoenix ever was. I saw Captain Marvel be awesome again, and I saw Thor and Cap throwing axes and hammers back and forth and throwing lightning bolts at, at fucking right. Thanos. And dude, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, among the Star Wars nerds, we're very happy about J.J. Abrams. We're glad he's back on the project. But if they have lame space shit again in one of the saga Star Wars movies, 
or like misusing the lightsaber. I mean, the science fiction, forget, yeah, some of the aliens and stuff like that, or yeah, like Killmonger versus Black Panther. In the Infinity War finale movies, the mm-hmm. spaceships and everything cosmic, it looks so much better than Guardians of the Galaxy or the Thor movies. I, I don't know if it's just money. I can't believe that that's what it is. I think it's actually the Russos and learning from past mistakes, but you know, me and my friends, my Star Wars friends at the at a celebration, we joked about how Infinity War looked better than any Star Wars movie ever in terms of ship designs. Um, it was like what George Lucas was trying to do with the prequels, basically. You know what I mean? Um, sure. And it's just effortless. It's like not even a big part of the movie, you know? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I loved everything about the final battle. Talk about yeah, Cap too. and Thor, because again, one of the best parts of... Uh, uh, oh, dude. Another, oh, I, I, I forgot the major <laughs> Ultron payoff. Cap's okay. worthy of the hammer, and Thor goes, yes. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh. And peop- Which, again, that's cheered, a like- thing that's happened in the comics repeatedly. A lot of people, some people have criticized, because they got to criticize something. You know, how come you could only wiggle it in Ultron, and now Fight you can me. move it? Fight me. We got Captain America with the hammer and the lightning against Thanos. If you don't like this, you're not listening to the podcast. If you know people don't like this, seek them therapy immediately because they cannot find joy in life with Captain America, with Thor's hammer, with his joy and permission, throwing lightning and beating the shit out of Thanos with Captain Marvel and fucking the Scarlet Witch and Thor and and Iron Man. It was great. It's great. Absolutely. Certainly, if you can't enjoy that, then why are you seeing this movie? Right. Don't pay your money. You know, this is... Moments like that are like the the using a tree, uh, you know, using Thor to restart a star with a giant Peter Dinklage. Like these are the kind of bonkers, fun set piece moments that make this genre like enjoyable to watch. Totally. Um, You know, so, yeah, that was unbelievable. I loved the cap on your left line, which is another callback to Winter Soldier. And then all of the Avengers, you know, the phase two and phase three guys come out of the dust. And Winter Soldier get- is the best solo MCU movie by a long shot in my book. It's the smartest for sure. I would probably What's your say second? I- What's your second solo Guardians. film? That's not a, that's that's a team up. That's a team up. I would argue it's no- Okay, so let me redefine. Let me redefine. Let me redefine. <laughs> Between the Avengers, the Guardians of the Galaxy and Team Wakanda, Black Panther. Yes. I'm considering all of them team-ups, okay? okay? Well, then, by yes. By Movies then, that-, that in the title names the title character, like Wonder Woman or Captain America. And by the way, dude, Wonder Woman was super woke, too, but no one talked about it because I know the end was unsatisfying to people. Overall, Wonder Woman was transcendent compared to Captain Marvel. Um, if Agreed. just in three like or four transcendent scenes... I don't like to compare those two movies because it's it's weird that we're just comparing the movies that are starring the women when we wouldn't automatically compare two movies that are happen to be starring men. No, that's but, not. No, I agree with you. I think Wonder Woman was better than Captain Marvel yeah, on not... any number of levels, and it earned a lot of what it tried to do, whereas I felt Captain Marvel pandered um, and well, was well, unoriginal in a yeah. lot of ways. Like the scene at the yeah. end of Captain Marvel where mm-hmm. they show – Brie Larson's character at various ages falling and then standing up the Buffy, the vampire slayer series finale had that exact same scene, almost identical where it's just mm-hmm. different women getting knocked down and then standing can, up to a can be real people. Can be, yeah. can be real. They yeah. should stop the Buffy project they're doing and bring Sarah Michelle Geller back because 
she looks even more spectacular than when we were children. She's so fit. Freddie Prinze is involved in it. Bring her back. Like, you know, like the Logan of Buffy. Bring Sarah Michelle Keller back. Give it to us. People with Joss Whedon. Come on. Um, yeah, sorry. That's what it made me think of. Honestly, until you said that, I completely forgot they were considering that. But I guess once they rebooted Charmed, they figured anything was fair game. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, the third act was unbelievably fun. I loved when they all show up and he says Avengers assemble, which mm-hmm. is a, you know, it's a fan servicey moment, but whatever. Yeah. It was awesome. Yep. You know, I loved literally they are passing the gauntlet from the original Avengers to the new guys. Like, do you get that? That symbolism oh, of yes. they're actually throwing a gauntlet back and forth and it starts with Cap and then Black Panther takes it and then Spider-Man takes it. And then I think Ant-Man and the Wasp get it for a while. I mean, so, dude, I know you don't want to hear it, but Captain Marvel for now is Iron Man of Phase 4. She is. The money, the, the, the wide acclaim, you know, we, we may not agree with it, but that's what's happening. I, I oh, speaking actually, of which, so can we talk about Doctor Strange for a second? So yeah. the manifestation of them all coming out of the portal. Now, here's what they did not explain was the difference between the people who were with Doctor Strange after the ashification and the people who are not with Doctor Strange after the ashification, right? That was not explained to us as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I mean, it is a little unclear why they all popped out of, uh, you know, one of those Doctor Strange spark They should have done what I said. They should have done what I said, which was just say that the Ashified people were not the people going somewhere else. The, the, the main Avengers and Thanos and them, who were so fucked up for various reasons, they were actually the ones going to a different place, and then they would have to find their way back. That would make more sense. Where did they stash the trillions of you know sentient humans who are dead the whole time? I mean, <laughs> Doctor Strange isn't that powerful. Um, they didn't explore his power. He had two lines. Benedict Wong had one. He can't even hear what he's saying. Uh, a major, major, major waste of a great setup was Doctor Strange. But as I, I did say in leading up to this, Matt, that my expectations were so high for Strange's role in this movie, I, I didn't think it would live up to it. And it didn't. And it, it ended up being a cool little part at the end. Yeah, and again, I don't think it ever was meant to because I think the second movie or the... Well, he basically tells Tony that he has to die without saying it. I mean, he it's does. pretty powerful. No, yeah. very clearly. But Infinity War was a Doctor Strange movie. A lot of that was about Doctor Strange, who at the beginning of the movie will get, let a kid die rather than give up a stone. Right. And it's only through his experience with these other heroes that he starts to realize they can win, they have value, and he gives up the stone. Right. And that's what kind of wins the day for them in the end. Mm-hmm. This movie was about the phase one characters getting their send off. I mean, that was mm-hmm. very clearly what this movie was supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, was Doctor Strange only had one line. Black Panther only had like one Tilda or two Tilda Swin was lines. amazing. She had way more time than either Strange she or She got Wong. a little bit more screen time, for sure. Um, and that was fine. You know, that was nice. Yeah. By but the way, I wasn't offended by that initially, and I'm still not offended by it. But I can understand why people are. Right. Yeah, I mean, sorry. offended is a, a tough adjective to use to describe these movies. I mean, she's such a great actress. I, I just watched her do anything. Yeah. I got as much of the phase two and phase three people mm-hmm. as I needed mm-hmm. from Infinity War. And well, I knew that this was going to be the last go around for at right. least Chris Evans and right. Robert Downey Jr. I was happy to have a movie that was just about th- 
basically just about them. You know, and Thor to a lesser extent. Sure. And, and, and I'm not, again, from a character plot standpoint, I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to say, you know, that when you listen to, you know, directors and writers do commentary, they talk and director, they talk about um, buying and selling and they talk about setting up and paying off, right? Those are like right. the two main things. And they really sold and set up Strange to be an interesting part of this whole story. And yeah. It threw two seconds of exposition at the end of this film. It, it was sort of what I was thinking, but I was just hoping it would be explored more. But then again, they spent a lot of time doing the Martian, sciencing the shit out of things with the time travel, and then they forgot science for the rest of the movie. So, you know, I mean, who cares? Yeah. Um, I Look, if, if you're a person, and not you, but, you know, if person, random person listening to this is somebody who causality and time travel stuff and all that stuff really matters to you then yeah mm-hmm. maybe you're probably going to get frustrated with some of this yeah what's source code which is one of my favorite yeah, movies I was gonna say, there's a lot seriously. of other movies yeah watch donnie darko are, donnie darko right. is probably the most brilliant time travel movie that doesn't mention time travel ever yeah i mean donnie darko is a good example the terminator series is all Great. about john connor's causality cycle is amazing and- yeah you know, and fate versus yep. uh, choice and things like that. Mm-hmm. This and, movie, and Dune, is, dude, to tease a future podcast, man, the, the the notions of time travel and what you were just saying are not unrelated to notions about uh, high level prophecy and prescience. And, and sure, so yeah, I, yeah, I mean, this will be a spoiler for that podcast. My opinion is that a lot of philosophy is about whether or not choice exists and does anything we do matter. Western philosophy. Like a lot of Western philosophy is about that. That's arguably all Western philosophy and religion is about that actually, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to be perfectly blunt, Harry Potter is about does choice, what does choice matter or not? And do we have control over our own lives? It's, you might think it's like kid stuff, but there are a lot of lines in that series about choice versus prophecy because the central premise of that series is a prophecy child killing the evil, you know, dark master. And let's be honest, man, although they ended in very different ways in their lives, both Paul Atreides and Leto the Second Atreides sees it all ahead of time and is mostly right about it. Um, I mean, Leto lives way longer and is able to control, w- w- you know, the, the creation of, you know, prophecy proof uh, stuff, essentially. Right. But, but. And he dies believing himself a triumph, whereas I distinctly think Paul Atreides believed himself a failure. Yeah. We'll get into all of that in the in yeah. this podcast if we ever get to it. I Well, then this was this was this was the neo connection earlier is that it's actually as sad as Revolutions is just as a failed movie. It's yes. even sadder that the philosophical ending which is interesting where he admits that it's inevitable and Smith was right the whole time shows that it was all pointless and and from a purely utilitarian standpoint the only reason it's important that Neo fought Smith for three movies was so that he could negotiate with the Matrix to team up together to destroy Smith and then have yeah. peace in Zion. It, which seems like bad writing. It's actually brilliant, but no one cares because no one was paying attention at that point. But and it, it was terribly executed. Right, I mean, but, but this is it's the, really unclear. And this how is why that Dune's not going to work. Ends. And this is why Dune's not going to work, man. It's not going to work because outside of Star Wars, prophecy does not. It is too real and doesn't interest people. Time travel, you can go make fun of Back to the Future, like they did in the movie, and then do the same right. thing. I actually agree. I 
we'll get to this at some later point. Yeah. With this Dune movie, I am hoping for either a great movie or an epic disaster. (laughs) Like, if it's a total bomb... I want to see that because with the cast that movie has and with the quality of the director, yeah. if it just utterly fails, that will be fascinating mm-hmm. to, to watch and experience. And it might put to bed any belief anybody still has that that series can ever be adapted. Okay. Uh, so, Cause I have streamed yeah. doubts about that. So you and I are going to just end on a couple of favorite things from, from the, the Avengers movie, but just sure. Do the official tease guys, me and Matt are actually doing a Dune podcast. It's a matter it of will when. happen at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's a matter of when, what we're going to focus on, what we're going to talk about. Um, uh, but uh, I, I, I will say, man, that, uh, you know, I mean, people watched the David Lynch one because it was such a horrible failure. So I don't even know yes. what people wanted. I mean, I would never watch that. Not many people watched it. It was a bomb. I mean, it did not do well at the box office and there were more sequels planned, but they never got so made because nobody question. saw it. So yeah. if you, uh, this will tease the Dune podcast and we'll finish on a couple of Avengers thoughts, which is yeah. if you were making it, um, yeah. would you go more like the sort of mid late nineties with like Romeo and Juliet and with, with, you know, Leo and, uh, and Ethan Hawke and, and Hamlet and do like, uh, uh, like a modern take, but using the same language, you know, from the text, or would you do more like Hamilton and do just like hip hop rock opera of doing, you know, of those two extremes, which one would you like a more literalist one to apply to a modern situation or just like turn everything, you know, make it a musical or something crazy. It would not work as a musical. <laughs> CW occasionally works as a musical, so it's not all bad. Yes, but they've never tried to adapt Dune. <laughs> that means so funny. I, yeah. For one, Spice, you got to remember, stabbing like, you in the chest. Yeah, <laughs> you got to remember about two thirds of the of the words in that text are inspired mm-hmm. by Arabic, and yep. that's a language that can be a little tricky to rhyme. Mm-hmm. So. How you make a, uh, what exactly your rhyme would be involving Benny Jesuit or Gam Jabbar or Kwisatz Haderach? Yep. Prepare for my attack. I'm the Kwisatz Haderach. I, I, I don't well, think a, that would It's hold a up combination of Arabic, uh, Hebrew, and, and Yiddish. Hebrew, yeah, so. Yeah, it's the, it's the seer of the way or something, you know, like. The shortening of the way. Shortening the, of the way, yeah. Vizad actually needs to <clears throat> jump over. Uh, and, right, and derech means way or road. Way, yeah. Um, and just to tease it, and, you know, I've talked to you about this. For all the criticisms you can make about feminism, and just is it even a great series of books? Um, Philosophy-wise, well, I still yeah, think yes, is the feminism inc- of Dune. I was like, I don't complain about feminism. No, no, but okay. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, well, how the treats women, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right. I still think the Bene Gesserit are ahead of their time. I mean, we still don't see that in movies sure. a lot. I mean, you know, dress whatever. Which, but um, but uh, but his his specific treatment of Islam and Eastern religions, which you know I studied through into the graduate right. level and still studying, right? about um is very 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 interesting but unlike the matrix movies is good enough writing wise and story wise to keep with it and you actually ask a great question and we'll, we'll we'll finish with avengers that i loved of the questions you sent me for the dune one just to tease people which was is god emperor the most philosophical because it's the most philosophical or is it the most philosophical because it sounds the most philosophical yeah um, which we're not going to answer right now no, because that's a but, very but long conversation. I just want to tease people with the level of what we're going to be talking about. So yeah, if what I just said most- is putting you to sleep, then that might not be the, the it's not, these are not the droids you're looking for. 
this is also not the series you should read because <laughs> this is a very long-winded series and it gets even more long-winded yeah. the deeper you go into it. Yeah. At least through the first four yes. books. I quit after that because well, uh, the it, next- and I am actually more interested in talking with you about it as a literary, you know, standpoint and characters and stuff. Um right. Because I talk to myself in my head all the time about the philosophical stuff. So if you are into it, go for it. But um, I don't know, man. I'm going to give my my final big thought here about the Avengers is... I, everything's building on Avengers 1 and 2 and the Winter Soldier. And maybe that's part mm-hmm. of why those are my three favorite. And I love that they respected it. Um, as I said, I, I'm more optimistic about the future, I guess, but this also just left me in a very positive feeling. I'm actually, uh, let's put it this way. I would prefer the Scarlet Witch to get her own show. And let us be clear, Vision is in it, but the show will be like Jessica Jones. It will be from Elizabeth Olsen's perspective. I can guarantee I, you that. I think so, especially because I wonder if the plot isn't going to be something like. Yes. And WandaVision short- is also a, like, you know, a play on words. Yeah. Right. What I wonder is if, so like in Infinity War, Shuri was working on finding a way to protect Vision's like, uh, you know, identity Mm -hmm. without the Infinity Stone. So maybe it turns out that she's been able to do that, but he doesn't remember everything because it was an incomplete process. So there is a Vision, but it's not the Vision who Mm -hmm. dies in these movies. Mm -hmm. So then Wanda has to sort of teach him how to be human and grapple with, you know, this person who looks like the man or robot that she loved, but isn't like, those are all possible plot points for this series that I could very easily see them going with. In which case it would have to be mostly from her perspective mm-hmm. because you would wind up with a mm-hmm. Paul Bettany playing a character who is pretty unformed, like mm-hmm. kind of data like and very childlike. And that's mm-hmm. not usually a style of acting mm-hmm. that can make for a lead. Well, I will say this again, I'm applying because I know more people that are in or close to Lucasfilm than I do in Marvel. That's just the reality, man. I, I, I don't, I, I know people who are, do a lot of Disney coverage and hear some things, but mm-hmm. I don't really know the inside job, but to compare it to like the Cassian K2 series, which is going to be hilarious and not that expensive for them to do, but very dark. Right. That's specifically a one season thing. The Clone Wars returning is a one season thing. I think WandaVision is one, maybe two seasons. And I love the idea rather than, and even shows I love like Orphan Black or Vikings or even the mm-hmm. early Homeland seasons, none of right. those shows did I really stick past four or maybe five seasons maximum of any of those shows. I even was in Game of Thrones for three plus and then gave up on that. I mean, it's just so hard to do. I love the idea of, yeah, if I can get 12 episodes from Elizabeth Olsen's perspective with Paul but- Bettany as like a supporting other lead and a cool, interesting bad guy or something like I, like I, I'm into that. Um, what do you think they do with Loki? I, I loved how Loki <laughs> he he constantly was in the movie, but had so little lines or was getting punched when he had lines. It was very funny. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they're setting up what the plot of the Loki series is going to be: is he's alive and he has the Tesseract, yeah. and I guess he's going to go do stuff with the Tesseract, like. Mm-hmm. This is where the causality and the rules of the time travel make the least sense is how does Loki, how do we get from Loki escaping at like, oh yeah. I mean, it's dude, really hard to even yeah. explain dude, the where second Loki they, ends this movie. The second they, they drew out the plan to us, the viewers about 
finding the best dates to get the Infinity Stones that line up with all the movies, and that's going to be right. our time travel. I threw everything philosophical about time travel out, out the window in my brain sure. immediately. I was like, okay. They made fun of Back to the Future, and now they're doing Back to the Future. Cool. Kind of, yeah. Uh, pretty much. Um, no, it's I exactly like the, that. Yeah. Go yeah. to the past, and we change just enough to make it interesting, but not distort the fabric of reality. Right. I did like the uh, mocking of... Uh, I like the reference to Hot Tub Time Machine quite a bit. I thought that was a really I, great I, throw. Oh, the Paul Rudd's. Oh, my God. Paul Rudd was so good. Paul Rudd... Can we talk about Paul Rudd for a second? Because yeah. I don't love the Ant-Man movies, but like you, I do appreciate Peyton Reed, and I do appreciate the different feel of it. I love Pena when Pena's just acting out of his mind, you know, and he, <laughs> he balances it with lots of dark, subtle performances, and so I don't care. I think it's hilarious, and you can tell he's having fun, and they're all having fun. When I heard the beeping of the brown van, I was like, is Pena coming at the end of the battle? I was like, is Michael Pena coming in at the end of the Avengers battle in the final movie? I was like, oh no. Uh, but, uh, and I love their whole crew. Um, I just don't like Michael Douglas uh, in general, and so the, the younging-ish of Michael Douglas just continues to be weird uh for me but dude i asked you in a, in that which podcast was it uh, maybe it was a predictions podcast about it is oh it was in our D one like what other superhero is as puny and unsuperhero without the suit as paul rudd but is like a level a thousand out of ten powered superhero with with the quantum suit and the powers right i mean it's yeah i mean his his abilities are what turn out to save the day. So literally the smallest hero in this yeah. universe turns out to be the most important one because the whole movie flips mm-hmm. when Paul Rudd escapes and is like, okay, yeah, you guys are pretty down that you killing, you know, older Thanos didn't really do anything. Was, um, it's, it was just well, tough. I've got another solution. The first act was tough for me, Matt, because I was literally calling to my dad as quietly as possible every single beat of the first act of the movie. I was like, it just it felt so predictable, that, that, that yeah. whole first act. And the but final battle was fantastic. predictable, too, if it was, even though it looked more glorious. Like, it, it was fairly, you know, I mean, it was Lord of the Rings. There wasn't even that much contact. Like, other than the battle with Thanos, it was just a lot of not killing that was meant to look well, like killing. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't know the the moments of it the 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 fact oh, that yeah, it was so kind of fan servicey you know that, that was that the last the big question I want to ask you was like what were some of the moments of, of the because th- there's so much going on uh, you've had a couple more days to process that moments right. that that stood out to you that maybe you know wasn't just the Scarlet Witch throwing half the planet at Thanos. I'll give you my number one right Go. off the bat. Yeah, I am Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, even I kind of yeah. had a sense what he was going to say. Loved it. I didn't see it coming. It was great. It was great. I My it. dad. I thought it was such. Yeah. It's fan service. It's a yeah. callback. But you know what? Yeah. It was great, and it felt like such a perfect last line because it is literally the last thing yeah. uh, I t- Robert Downey Jr. ever says, and mm-hmm. then he dies. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Me and my dad were both, in our own ways, a little bit of a mess post-Scarlett Johansson because yeah. we just love her. We love her yeah. and Renner, but we love her so much. We love Widow specifically, but Scarlett and ScarJo in general. Um, and, but he would, he loved that with the I am Iron Man. He like was very, um, yeah, it resonated. That's the thing. Things that should be inside jokes with Marvel resonate with millions of people. It's, it's amazing. 
because they've been able to build these characters yeah. into characters that people feel invested in and mm-hmm. ha- you know and whose backstories mm-hmm. people have sort of internalized that they feel like not real people but pop cultural mainstays and fixtures of their lives at this point because of how much these people these characters have shown up over and over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. um I, I want to make a correction earlier too when I called Carol Danvers the Iron Man of of uh, of Phase Four. That had mostly to do with the money and the visibility. Yes, uh, sure. Shuri, Shuri is the most of like you know Iron Man version six or whatever is Shuri. Sure, um, but in terms of personality, and you've commented on this as well, Doctor Strange would be the obvious candidate. To, you know, to be next Tony Stark. Uh, well, certainly in the way that they act and look and talk and carry themselves, they're almost identical. Um, I'm most excited about Doctor Strange of the next phase. I, I will say that. But I, I don't know, again, if this is just me hoping for something really interesting that's not going to happen. There's definitely going to be another Doctor Strange movie. I don't know if it's going to be good. I mean, we're, you and I are probably have slightly mixed opinions about whether the first one was that good or not. Um, well, they just need more Benedict Wong. I mean, he's amazing in The Martian. To make them do a buddy movie, it would be hilarious. Sure. I mean... He's I, a talented actor, Benedict Cumberbatch. He is a very Everybody talented says actor. he's the talented actor. That's what everyone says. He is. I do not recommend watching him on Deadly Class, but I also don't recommend watching Deadly Class because I think <laughs> that show is dumb as fuck. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I like Benedict Wong. I want to see more Wong. I want to see more representation. And mm-hmm. certainly, you know, the fact that they greenlit this Shang-Chi movie suggests the next area they mm-hmm. want more diversity is yeah. uh, more Asians, which I'm completely mm-hmm. in favor of. And if that means so, also adding right. more Wong, that would mm-hmm. be great. So, so... If I wasn't casting for for uh, box office dollars, I would have made Benedict Wong Doctor Strange. But you know who should have actually been Doctor Strange that was in Doctor Strange? You know who I'm talking about? Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yes. Chiwetel should have been Doctor Strange. Absolutely. I actually he he would have done a good job. Um, but again, in the same way that I don't really think the th- problems I had with Captain Marvel were Brie Larson's fault. But the why issues they I make, had? No, I'm sorry, dude. Why did they make him have a New York? Try and have a New York accent. Why can't Doctor Strange be a doctor in New York with an English accent? Like, why does that bother people at this point? I think because in Winter Soldier, they the way they reference him, it seems like they're sort of acknowledging that he is American. I don't know. He's American in the comics. I don't right, know. but Spider-Man specifically from Queens, and you know, he right. like, Cap calls him Queens, which is great, you know. And, and he's the perfect New York superhero. I've said by this the way, before. Okay, by the way, Chris the Evans hug was also one of my favorite. Chris movies. Evans, sorry, Matt. Chris Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans. Thank you so much for the last eight years of your life, Captain America. Dude, as I said in a recent Star Wars podcast, I never thought I would see a, a <laughs> blockbuster movie character like Captain America who should be so cheesy, but it ends up being so three-dimensional and makes cliches like doing the right thing, like both mm-hmm. sexy and like something you want to do. Yeah. It makes you cry and you want to be a part of it. You know, that's what Natasha said, man. I mean, that's what I was so sad about Natasha dying. You talk about she finally has a family and that's what she's dying for. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, there's a lot in that movie. What did you think about the... Um, 
uh, the sort of, you know, uh, when the two sides were really coming at each other for the first time and you had some people flying and some people running and people, I mean, it looked like the ca- like cave trolls and stuff. I mean, it looked a lot like the Battle of Return of the King. Let's not lie to, to one another here. Yeah, the bad guy design was pretty simplistic, but I didn't really mm. care because that scene clearly existed to give the heroes all like cool moments. Like, I think mm-hmm. that was what the whole thing was there to do. And it pulled that off very, very effectively. All right, buddy. So what do you think is the legacy of this movie? You, you can, uh, include infinity war with it or, or on its own. Um, obviously there's the legacy of the, all the Avengers movies, all the MCU movies. Um, is there anything that stood out to you or is it just sort of a really solid, good, satisfying finish to all this? Well, it certainly was all of that. I hope the legacy of this is that if you make your movies with your characters in mind first and not your plot in mind first, you can eventually reach a point where people will come along for you on a ridiculous ride because how much they want the characters just to see successful ends for them. You know, Mm -hmm. the plot, the infinity stones, all that shit. I think there were large stretches of the MCU where the filmmakers making individual movies really didn't care about that. And that was nothing more than just like a little bit of window dressing to keep Mm. a certain type of fan into this stuff. But everybody else just wanted to see more adventures of these people. They just wanted to see the next adventure of Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man or Mm -hmm. Chris Evans, Captain America, or, you know, the... Uh, James Gunn, Guardians, or whatever. And if you can build your movies that way and do it slowly and intelligently, eventually they will. you will have an audience that is so into these stories that they will come along for you, with you on whatever kind of final story, whatever journey you want to take them on. You want to make them sit through a three-hour movie with time travel that doesn't make any sense – They'll do it because they just want these characters to have good ends to their stories. Uh, and then, but then you got to deliver it. And I think Marvel did. I think the Russo brothers really delivered a satisfying end to characters that they got people to successfully invest their emotions in. All right, man. Here's the big question. Yeah. The big six, and you again, you can throw in a few other people like Scarlet Witch and Ant-Man if you want, but the original six, can they ever okay. repeat this again? Um, I'm going to say no. I, I, I think I agree. they could have individual movie. I mean, I don't know if any movie is ever going to match whatever this final box office is. This might go on to make $3 billion and... Asking any other movie to ever get that is billion, a pretty yeah. big ask. Although, Three billion. Although yeah. to, to be clear, the reason Avatar made so much money was because it was the first big 3D movie and everyone saw it in 3D, even though it was horrible in 3D. Uh, the uh, the uh, audience for 3D movies has been going down steadily every year. Um, yeah, I, mean, I saw it in 2D, and I don't no think I missed it. That. Nope, they've got... Nope. Yeah. I didn't miss anything seeing uh, yeah. Endgame in 2D. I, I didn't think there was they, any moment. Yeah. They advertised there's 2D IMAX, they advertised 3D sound, but like actual 3D movies like people aren't seeing and so they can't charge as much money as they're charging. They actually can't charge quite as much. Cuz it's a gimmick that doesn't actually work all that well and I think people have figured out it's just a cheap way to charge people an extra $3 for not 3 extra dollars worth of entertainment. Totally. Uh, also I think even 10 years ago, movies tended to stay in theaters a little bit longer. I think Avatar, you know, Titanic was in theaters for like months. 
Um, so I don't know if anything is ever going to match this box office total, whatever it winds up being. Uh, but I think in terms of how much like audiences seem to be hanging on these adventures and, and like eagerly salivating over the next story, I could be wrong. I don't see any of these new phase three characters ever matching uh, the fervor that people had for specifically Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man, yeah. and to a lesser extent, all of the original six Avengers. Yep. Yep. You know, if they ever do make that Black Widow movie, I wouldn't be surprised if that winds up being one of the higher grossing ones, just because by the time it comes out, people will actually want to reminisce a little bit about the phase one of the MCU, which is, Regardless Lucy of whether not- made like $600 million. Yeah, but I mean... That's what I I'm saying. Want- I mean, an inferior sure. product with an inferior character made $600 million with Scarlett Johansson being a badass. Sure. But, but you bring in Marvel with the Black Widow, you could make $800 mi- I mean, they could be... Look, dude, but Spider-Man, Guardians, and Thor Ragnarok all, I think, underperformed a little bit in, in the last phase. And that's what makes Black Panther and Captain Marvel that much more impressive. Money, Just again, pure money-wise. I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I think people will, you know, I think in general, Scarlett Johansson has always been a pretty good box office draw, even on lousy movies. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if a Black Widow movie, especially if they can make it kind of in the way the uh, mm-hmm. the Russo brothers write for that particular character. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that winds up outgrossing whatever Captain Marvel winds up as, that people will want to turn out for this one because it's a chance to see a phase one character again mm-hmm. at a time when by then people will really start being nostalgic for the phase one stuff. You know, even, even if those movies aren't the best examples of those characters, I don't yeah. think first Avenger is the best cat movie. I don't think, uh, Iron Man is the best Iron Man movie, Right. but those characters are probably always going to be the ones that live the longest and, mm-hmm. and live the loudest in people's memory. I think the thing with Black Widow is she is very complicated, but she appeals to m- male fans just of her character as much as female fans. You know, kept Captain Marvel did skew female as as you would expect. I think Black Widow is just like a deep cut character in general. You know, I mean Hawkeye is too. He just hasn't got nearly the treatment that she's gotten, obviously. Um, uh, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, Scarlett Johansson tends to get what she wants for good reason, and so if she wants it to happen, it will happen. There is definitely a director and writer and, and funder out there who would make help make that movie. I'm sure. Um, I hope so. Yeah, she did look like she was having a lot of fun on the recent tour. Uh, it, uh, it must be like a relief after all these years. I mean, can you imagine these actors? I guess that's the main reason Mike uh, Hemsworth wouldn't come back is just how exhausting this whole thing is. Yeah, especially to do the... T- I mean, they made Infinity War and then they turned around and made Endgame yeah. right after that. So this was not the Lord of the Rings, but it was probably a pretty grueling couple of years of filming for them. Yeah. And I bet they were really happy that they can all take a, you know, Mm -hmm. Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans are done and all those other actors get to take a break for a while. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they're pretty happy to have that. Yeah. I guess ultimately that's what fell short with all the guest appearances. So brief at the end of this movie is that, it, it was so clear something they could do on a one to two week shoot with all those actors, you know? I agree. 
But I don't think you could have done all of it. I don't think you could have done a love letter to the phase one that wraps up all those stories and also given a yep. lot of time to the phase two and three stuff. Yep. And all of those characters will get more movies. We yep. will see more Black Panther. We will see more Strange. We are going to see more Spider-Man in two months and we are going to get more Captain Marvel and we're going to get two more months. Marvel. Really? Uh, when when does Far From Home come out? It comes out this summer. With Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Uh, I can't wait. I, I'm going to see it just for <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal. Sure. Uh, he's, so, he's, he's such he's a so sweet dreamy. guy. and He's so dreamy, but he's such a sweet guy in real life, but he plays the most demented characters. I know. Have you ever seen him in uh, Nightcrawler? No. I've, it's, I've heard Nightcrawler it, yeah. is creepy as fuck. That's maybe my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal performance. It is... We, God, is it weird, but it's a great movie. Highly recommend it. I think Donnie Darko is, is solidly in my top 20. I, I could maybe see it in my top 10, but it's for I sure in my top 20. I would be shocked You certainly talk about it a lot. It's, it's, a perfect mo- I, it's a perfect film for me. I don't know. Memento's in this I'm category, too. I'm yeah. just... You talk about it a lot. I, I would be surprised. If well, it, it, was, it was also in my brain a lot while trying to think of, again, a time travel scenario that was ultimately character-based and not, you know, science-based. And... They did it. It wasn't the way I would have done it necessarily, but it worked for them. The revisitation was great. It didn't feel... Yeah, I don't know how they sold us fan service for three hours that would not make it look like fan service. God bless the Russos, man. I don't know how they yeah. do it. Yeah. Oh, man. So, okay. So, um, uh, final question. What is, the, uh, what is the property going forward from Marvel, even if it's only rumored or announced but hasn't been made yet, that, that you are most looking forward to at this point? Let's assume that all the original Avengers are done. Uh, it's either Black Panther or it's Guardians. I mean, we're going to get another Guardians movie, but it's not going right. to be for probably three so, years because first James Gunn has to make the Suicide Squad. But right. it, those two are the... I want more of those casts. So, I want more of all of that. This is my question. Black Panther 2. Okay, you're Ryan yeah. Coogler. You made the movie where you made fun of the colonialists, but you also brought them to your side and you had inner tribal conflicts but it was funny and you know and, and compelling and you had the great bad guy with michael b jordan like what do you do now i feel like they can't stay in wakanda they have to be at least working globally if not like within space i don't i hope they don't go to space just because i feel like marvel is shifting this mcu just further and further into space and yeah. that's fine but not everything can be space. I mean, Captain Marvel is going to be space too. So yeah, you know, I'm on board. I don't like cosmic I, cosmic Marvel is like an insult for me at this point. I'm sick of it. I'm fine with some, but something's got to stay grounded in the movies. I'm sure I all know. the, the TV shows are going to be. That's the right. Problem. I think all the TV shows are going to be mm-hmm. Earth based, but mm-hmm. so I, I think they should stay on Earth. But yes, I agree that the next movie can't take place just within Wakanda. And considering that. Black Panther 1 ends with them kind of announcing who they are to the world to then go back to make another movie just set in Wakanda would feel like going back on the whole point of the end of that movie, Mm -hmm. which is that for as wrong as Killmonger was, he actually changes Black Panther's mind. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, in the end, T'Challa decides to open their borders and reveal how advanced they are and share their tech and their abilities with the world yep. in part because of his experience with this bad guy. And right. so 
if they go back and they're not doing that in the next movie, that would feel like a cop out. And that's why I think both Wonder Woman 2 and Black Panther 2 are going to be great because they're sitting on their high horse, but in both cases for different reasons, they're going to, they're going to, their morals are going to get very questioned. I think in the second, I think what I would do with Black Panther is (laughs) create like a, a Trumpian alliance of like North America and Europe um, as the next threat to the world and have like the Africa and the third world unite behind Wakanda again against it. That would be so political and woke, but I mean, Disney's openly giving money to Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats right now. What's off the table. I don't even know. All the star Wars movies are so woke. And what's interesting is there is that shadow council kind of thing in Avengers and winter soldier. That's never really explained who all those other people are, you know, with powers booth and all those people. And it's possible that maybe they're conspiring in some way to, to undermine Wakanda or, or something like that. You know, there's some kind of secret cabal of, to be blunt, white Western leaders conspiring against Wakanda. That could certainly that already there's the framework for that in what they've established in the MCU. And I think if you look at the BET black Panther cartoon, that is how it starts. I think Mm. is that black Panther's father is assassinated by basically a cabal of Western white leaders because his dad won't work with them, you know, won't trade with them, won't sell to them, (sighs) et cetera. I mean, the reality is the majority of the Western world is people of color and there's tons of white people who sympathize with all this stuff. So, sure. That's why you make Jessica Jones and Captain Marvel. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. it, that's that's that's, you know, I mean, <sighs> yeah, I I don't know. That's the thing, dude. Ryan Coogler made some jokes in Black Panther I did not think he would get away with, honestly. I, I mm-hmm. it, it's pretty impressive, but it'll be interesting to see if he keeps pushing it. You know, you and I, I think have agreed that Ryan Coogler would not have taken this extended job without like total freedom. No, definitely not. And I think, um, I think any cliches of black Panther within the genre, um, for my final thought uh, is that him showing respect and deference, even maybe when he maybe should it at times. Right. I mean, for the genre, like it felt like it was coming from Kugler, not, not them being like, you have to do it this beat at the end or that beat or whatever. Sure. That made me cry. Him and Michael B made me cry at the end of that movie. That still does. Yeah. I mean, you could tell that he had a fair amount of freedom by the simple fact that no mention of infinity stones. In fact, basically no mention of anything that happens in any other MCU movie. That's not easy to do when you're the 19th movie out in a franchise or or whatever number Black Mm -hmm. Panther was. Neither James Gunn nor Joss Whedon ever got that opportunity. Yeah, they both had to shoehorn in a lot of Thanos and Infinity Stones and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But they didn't tell Coogler, you know, Coogler, whatever. There's none. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay, Matt. Well, thank you so much for being on. I think, I think we've, we feel pretty similarly about this movie, I think, overall. Yeah, surprisingly. I think we're, we're pretty much on the same page on it. I think Infinity War is definitely the better movie, but it's shorter. It's, it's tighter. It's shorter. And honestly, man, it, my only big picture complaint, but this is a credit to Infinity War, is the tone feels 100% consistent in Infinity War. This movie, it does not feel like a consistent tone all the time to me. Yeah, this, in some ways, this feels like three little movies. Yeah. That's okay. I don't mind that. Yeah. I love this movie. It's, I mean, clearly I liked it because it's maybe my fifth or sixth favorite 
it's a really great movie and a great way to end yeah. this little adventure. This what I think Marvel still jokingly refers to as an experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the best? No. Mm-hmm. Is it really good? Yes. And is it a satisfying ending for characters that we wanted to have satisfying endings? Yes. So awesome, Matt. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Bizzlecast listeners. I may do more podcasts on this just because I have other contributors that want to talk about it. Um, and people love this movie. So everyone go see it. If you're still listening to it, then I don't know what you're doing. If you're listening to us and haven't seen the movie, but see the movie. Thanks for listening. May the force be with you. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out.